what is up fantasy people welcome back to the true north fantasy pod i am trav chilling in dirty laundry studios as always we are brought to you by the fantasy points media group i have with me co-hosting and west coasting as always tyrell mclaughlin it's almost here buddy one more sleep one more sleep and i just i love the nfl draft we talk about it all week leading up to it uh it kind of just encompasses a lot of everything that we love about sports in general. Just that playing Madden since you're a kid. Uh, I said in the group chat the other day that if you weren't simming uh, past the first season to the draft, <laughs> you were doing it wrong. You know, like that's just we were those kids. So it's uh, yep. it's our favorite time of the year. I just can't wait to, to chat some draft and got lots of prop bets in the works. And uh, it, it, it is the most wonderful time of the year. It really is, man. It really is. Um, I am I am super fired up for this one. If anybody is uh, checking us out, obviously you can tell that there's just the two of us tonight. So Ty, we can make it if we try. Just the two of us, you and I. Um, I'm super Dela stoked. Soul. How about the range on De La Soul? Just really quick, yeah, like they, you know, when that. it comes to hip hop, that the range is just out of control. Preach, preach, brother. Um, no, I like that. And I'm, I'm excited. We don't really do two man shows very often. We're really excited. I think we talked before the show and we were going to preface for the listeners that uh, we, um, <laughs> you know, we, we, we've got a draft live stream, which we're going to talk about in a little bit where the true North crew is going to get together for day one and day two of the draft. But we've been kind of focused on getting some of that prepped. So we were a little bit, uh, let's call it loosey goosey on tonight's show sheet. It's uh, it's going to be a really, really fun show. Um, we're just going to have some really good back and forth conversation, Ty. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to you as is customary for the episodes to just kind of talk about what we're going to go through tonight. Yeah, lots of stuff. I mean, we'll hit some prop bets. We're going to do like a pretty good breakdown of each team in the NFL and uh, lay out, you know, what they got for picks, what their top needs are, what you need to know heading into the draft, all the ranges of outcomes that uh, are going to come along with this crazy madness that is uh, going to be Thursday night. So we just want to have a good primer in place and, uh, you know, some thoughts in our head for when things fall certain ways we can... uh, adjust accordingly going forward because uh nothing ever goes the way you plan it uh you know what is the you know of perfectly laid plans or something along those lines yeah yeah sure yeah well, that one yeah. that one yeah man no it's uh this is gonna be really fun like like you said it's the most wonderful time of the year i'm super excited to get on the draft stream with the team so i think like you said this is a, a great primer for that um and you know if anybody's been listening to the true north pod and can hear that we're going to go through all 32 teams you know that we're going to be hunkering down for a bit of a sesh tonight so um i really hope you enjoy you know kicking it with us because we're going to have a blast tonight and uh it's more enjoyable when people have a blast with us so uh, be ready to hunker down and soak up some good information yeah <laughs> I, yeah for sure I, you already... know, i'm thinking trav i wouldn't mind just completely deviating from plan right away because like you uh like you hinted at we kind of are lacking a little bit of structure tonight we're just going to go through all the teams so we have that skeleton in place but we were planning to uh incorporate a lot of prop bets into this episode unfortunately uh my degenerate nature took over and i was just kind of betting these prop bets instead of uh you know, making them uh, tailored towards the show. So I'm just looking at them here. What do you think about just going through some of these and then give me your take on some of these over-unders that I'm looking at? Send it, man. Let's uh, let's flesh them out. So I'm on uh, DraftKings right now, the sports book on DraftKings. So Justin Fields is the first one over seven and a half. So, you know, I've been on the, the Fields to San Francisco train. This is really uh, 
you know, coming to a head here tomorrow and it looks like it might be Mac Jones or Trey Lance. So what do you think about Justin Fields seven and a half getting past the Lions there? I think I think I'm gonna go over, but mm, you know what? I'm gonna go under because I think uh, somebody is going to come up inside that uh, top seven and and make a move to get Justin Fields if he isn't already selected in there. Yeah, and I think we'll talk about that with the Lions. I think six and seven yeah. might be those picks that are available, and we know uh, the Lions GM is uh, definitely a man who's looking to trade. However, the better odds in that bet are taking the over. Trey Lance's over under is one pick lower. It's six and a half. So wow. you know, that one is really interesting. And uh, like, so what do you think about six and a half for, for Trey Lance? I think I'm going to go over on that one just because I think he, I think he's what probably going to get here? asked What do they know that we don't? I hate looking at that well, sometimes when you're doing mock drafts because they can lead you astray. But uh, this one kind of looking in the chat here. Our buddy, uh, our buddy clock management, what up clock um, is in Vegas as we speak. And he says that Vegas has fields at four and a half. So um, like that, you know, I'd probably be going over on that one, Ty. What do you think about the four and a half for Justin Fields real quick? See, really, I don't think it matters whether it's four and a half or six and a half. The seven and a half, I'm still taking the under, you know what I mean? So yeah, if uh, yeah, I, I really do think he he. Like, I'm kind of in favor of him going to San Francisco. I'm not saying that this is all smoke and mirrors. I'm saying that, you know, whatever, 70% chance, whatever you want to say it is for Mac Jones, I think that other 30% is, uh, you know, there's some of that uh, that you got to allocate to Justin Fields possibly being the pick because San Francisco does know the kid pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and this is think, like the season of smoke and mirrors too. So this is just us trying to kind of weed through all that and, and figure out what's going to happen. You know, so. we've talked a lot about that. Like the only answer I have is maybe they don't want to, you know, they don't have to tell people what they're doing. There's exactly. not exactly an advantage to not like, it doesn't really matter either way, but you do have New York jets right in front of them uh, yeah. who siphoned off some of their coaching staff. So maybe they don't want to tip any part of their cap. Uh, nice. Najee Harris, 24 and a half. Do you think he goes to the Steelers or jets before that? Or Miami I'm going, at 18. I'm going under because I uh, I think he's going to Steel City. And we're going to get into that too. This one's going to be sobering for some folks. Kyle Trask, 72 and a half. Holy <laughs> shit. Big, big sorry to our man Jim Nastic for that, by the way, because I know he loves him some Kyle Trask. Maybe uh, Steelers are in on him. <laughs> okay, so that would be early third round for Trask. I'm going under. I think he goes like late second round. I think yeah. some of those quarterbacks are getting pushed up. I don't know where I have them, but I think I have them in that third round range. I think I have them going to like Washington or something. Um, right. Kellen Mond is at 80 and a half. Who do you think goes before Kellen Mond or Kyle Trask? You think Kyle I think, goes before him? I think Kellen Mond is actually going to end up going before <laughs> Kyle Trask um, just because the athleticism and there is some buzz. And I think he's him, Kyle Trask and Davis Mills are the three quarterbacks who I think will get pushed up into the top of the second round because we're going to be looking at the top five quarterbacks gone by like pick 10. And there's just going to be this big space in between and any of these teams, like it could be even like the middle of the second round that the team pushes up to try and get one of them. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting because you have such a smaller group of overall drafts. Like that's an important point to make on this episode. I think there's only about 400 players in this fucking draft compared to about 1100. Usually uh, it's just really insane how small that collection of UDFA rookies is going to be this year. Um, so you might see people uh, less inclined to make that luxury quarterback pick in that second round is all I'm saying. Yeah. Just because they're going to need to take players because of the pools dropping off so quickly at certain positions. For sure. uh, Davis Mills is at 64 and a half. 
64 and a half. And those other guys are at like 72 and 80. Yeah. Holy and and really quick shit. before you answer Davis Mills, I think uh, in that group, I think Jamie Newman could be uh, somebody who might yeah. slip ahead of, uh, you know, and I've been, I was right You've on, been that on that early. So <laughs> I just want to, yeah. Cause if Steelers draft a quarterback, I think that's the guy, by the way. Yeah, a couple months. I can confirm that Ty has been on that. Um, I would say, you know, I think they're going to get pushed up into the second round. So if it's at 64 and a half, I would go under. Yeah, it's weird. Like this guy is first round buzz. I don't see that happening. But Davis Mills is somebody like you just have no sample size with him. That's why I don't really. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be entertaining Davis Mills in the first round as an NFL team. Um, I think just to put it out there, Eric Stokes, the cornerback, has an over-under of 40 and a half. I think people should be smashing the under on that. Tevin Jenkins, uh, you know, the tackle, he's probably going to be the fourth tackle off the board, and it's debatable whether he's a teardrop or whether he's in that next year after the right. top three guys. And uh, his is 24 and a half, which is similar to Najee Harris, and I just think that's interesting because the Steelers are probably uh, the floor, but I just don't see Tevin Jenkins, there's any way that he gets past the Steelers. So I think yeah. that one seems like a pretty good play. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I'm with you too, because especially when those offensive linemen start running off the board, you're going to get some pushed up into the, like the top 15. And then he's going to be one of those guys that's available in the early twenties, potentially. Do you think Ty that, uh, that the Steelers would go him over Najee if they were both there? You know, I think they'd still probably take Najee Harris there. I think they're extremely locked into that pick if he's available there. Um, just from the buzz and like what you hear and what you read and just kind of Colbert's comments and everything. Uh, and just, you know, it gets in, we'll, we'll maybe save that for the Steelers discussion yeah. just because it gets into the depth of the class at either position. You know, it's a, a, a balancing act when it comes to who you're going to pick in the second round. Speaking of which, there's a lot of wide receivers. We expect to go in that late second round. So does mm -hmm. a team go in the first round and take Rashad Bateman, who has an over-under of 27 and a half, which has fallen a little bit, but it's very interesting because Green Bay is showing interest at 29 there, and then you have Baltimore at 27. So do you think he goes before to Baltimore, or do you think he lands in, in Green Bay? I think it's going to be, I'm going with the under. I think he goes before 27. And Javante Williams, 39 and a half. Ooh, that's really fucking close that one i'm smashing um, the under on that i think, I think under on that one yeah yeah like if he doesn't i don't think he goes day one and i think atlanta is like a really likely landing spot on day two even the jets right before yeah. them like there's there's running back needy teams there uh and i, I just think yeah. they fit so perfectly in atlanta well and every year we see a couple of those guys going in like the first, you know, eight to 10 picks of the second round. And he's going to be the next one in line pretty much along with ETN if he doesn't get picked in the first round. So um, no, I like going the under on 39 and a half for Javante. So do you have ATN as a first round pick? Um, in my mock, I have him at 32 to the bucks. So let's, let's phrase it like this. I haven't even looked, but I guarantee that the running back props, uh, at least they were like a month ago. So one and a half would be the over under for running backs going in the first round. Uh, would you take the under or over? Do you think Javante gives you a little bit of, uh, you know, like ability to take the under on that one? Or do you think, uh, like, it's just too I think, hard to say two running backs. I think I'd go over. Yeah. Just because I, I, well, if I'm sticking true to my mock draft, I Me would too, go yeah. over. <laughs> yeah, but that's the, that's the boat you know, I like I, I'm not certain about that ETN at 32 to the Bucks pick at all. You know what I mean? So that's just kind of it's a, a popular one, so. spot for him though, and uh, mm -hmm. you know I have him going to the Bills, so I think it's a uh, that's pretty interesting. That Which I think is super spicy. So we're going to talk about that when we get to okay. Buffalo. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Kadarius Tony, 33 and a half. Oh shit. 
I think probably under, probably under. Everybody's got him in the back of the first round. And I actually just today was updating my mock and I got him going to Green Bay in the back of that first round. Yeah, I think I'm going to the Lions at the top of the second round, which would fall just outside of that. Just outside. But yeah, he's definitely a lot of buzz. The Saints, the Packers, there's teams Mm -hmm. that are are in on him. And uh, that's about all I got for that. But maybe we'll we'll sprinkle in some as we go. Uh, But yeah, make sure you're hammering that Jamie Newman under. Yeah, I love it. And uh, our homeboy, Brian, shout out to Brian. He's going to be on the draft live stream. He's got a hot take that zero running backs go in the first. Steelers fan too, ladies Steelers and gentlemen. Steelers fan too, yeah. yeah. All right, buddy. You want me to fly into the first team here? This sure. Is where we're at for, this is where we're at for this episode, my man. You want me to go? You go, me go, you go. <laughs> we got this. We're um, too Canadian for that. We got to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the I first, obviously... We decided to um, get really creative with how we go through these teams, Ty. We wanted to have something really outside of the box for the order that we go in. So we're going alphabetical. (laughs) Um, Not reinventing the wheel whatsoever. Alphabetical seems like a good way to just hit all 32. And that's the goal of the episode is to hit all 32. And that way we can hit Cleveland. We can hit the Rams really quick and we can touch on teams like that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So the first team, obviously, that we're going to get to is Arizona. Um, They only have six picks in the draft. Notably, they are at 16 and 49. And then their other four picks are at 160 or later. So not not a ton of capital outside of those first two, obviously. it's a really interesting offense. Steve Kime did some work this offseason. They added AJ Green. Uh, they added James Conner. They added some O-line. They added a little bit of defense with JJ Watt. Um, and there was somebody else big on the defense that went. I can't pinpoint who it is, but um, they also lost some guys, though, to Ty. Um, so being that they don't have a whole lot of draft capital and they might want to stack a little bit up to go for that title run with uh, with Kyler Murray or, you know, just to retool some of the depth on the roster, let's say. Do you think um, do you think the Cardinals could try to make some moves to get a little bit more draft capital or do you think they're happy with that 16th and that 49th pick? There's definitely uh, like I'm always of the mind that a team like this should be trying to manipulate the draft move back and accumulate picks. That's always easier said than done, especially in the middle of the rounds. And I think San Francisco, I point to last year, was a team that I was so adamant would, you know, be one of those teams trading back, and they didn't. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not sold that Steve Kime trades back. I think they also have some desperate needs at cornerback and wide receiver. Like they need to make sure that they come around, uh, come away from the top three rounds. Whether that means that they're only picking in those first two picks, but they have to add a cornerback and a wide receiver. I think in those first couple rounds. Uh, so yeah, I think they move back, but I think they probably end up just staying pat. And in my mock draft, I actually have Devonte Smith, uh, falling down to 16. And that's where, that's where I have Devonte Smith going. That is where I have Devonte Smith going as well. Oh, Ty. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I like the fit to be honest with you, yeah. because I think like, I, I think that it's going to be good for him in the NFL and not have to be the wide receiver one on his team. Um, especially because I think he could profile better in the slot from the NFL. He had some of the best slot numbers of this class in 2020. So I think Devontae Smith would be a nice fit there for a team that's going to run a lot of wide receivers on the field. So they're going to have a slot wide receiver on the field a lot. Um, and I think Cliff could really maximize his talents with Devon or um, DeAndre Hopkins taking up most of the coverage. Um, 
but yeah, so you like, I guess, obviously it's in your mock and I was kind of hedging on my mock a little bit before Ty just saying like that might not necessarily be what happened. So 100% would you say that if they don't go a wide receiver at 16, they're probably going to go corner? You know, I don't think it's 100% just because uh, the way the board might fall. I think the big X factor is Caleb Farley. I don't think people are talking yeah. enough about him in Arizona. I think he's a perfect fit. Uh, we have to remember Vance Joseph is coming in. So that's a zone defense. And it's just yeah. such a perfect fit. I don't think he gets past them. I actually have New England shocking the world, taking corner in round one at 15. So uh, that's why he's not available. And I think, you know, maybe an Eric Stokes or a Greg Newsom does go here. Uh, mm-hmm. but I think it would feel like a little bit of a reach having said that picking at 49, uh, you're going to be looking at someone like Tyson Campbell or somebody, uh, a lot less appetizing. So you definitely do those debates. Like, would you rather have, uh, Devonte Smith and Tyson Campbell, or would you rather have uh Greg Newsom and, you know, uh, Rondell Moore maybe or something. Yeah. Or I like think, an uh, Amon Ra. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but I think you're right about the slot, right? Like this gives Cliff Kingsbury exactly what I've been saying they need and what I think he's looking for going back to the Kiki Cootie explosive slot wide receiver, Texas A&M yeah. season, uh, Andy Isabel last year. So I think that's exactly what they want. It's a really good play. I think it hurts Christian Kirk a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll definitely dive into stuff like that schematically uh, if it were to happen, but yeah, that would hurt him a little bit, but you know, I'm a little bit lower on Devonte Smith from a fantasy lens. And I think, uh, you know, if there's one landing spot that would give me more faith in Devonte Smith paying off his ADP in fantasy, uh, Arizona might be that spot. I agree with you, man. I agree. That offense is just begging for another dynamic player. Right. And um, like I said, for him to not have to be that first guy on the totem pole he's not going to have to deal with that number one coverage and obviously the size which is a concern might not come into pay into play quite as much as if he did did have to go against that number one coverage although i did see a tweet today graham barfield from uh, fantasy points retweeted uh, a piece of matt Harmon's reception perception saying that Devonte Devonte smith was actually the best in this class at getting off of press um so i think like 26% of his routes were against press and he, uh, he won on 76% of those snaps. I'm pretty sure it was. So um, I, I think he can do it. And it's just like, the, it comes down to like the athlete he is not the strength and size that he possesses, I guess. So um, yeah, I, I like, I think dreamland for me would be Jalen Waddle, but I have him going ahead, mm-hmm. ahead of that. So, but that would be incredible. Yeah, if they could somehow land Jalen Waddle, I think the league's definitely a lot higher on Jalen Waddle than Devontae Smith personally. Uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, we should all be pretty high on Atlanta with this new regime coming in. I think uh, <clears throat> we could debate all day about what the identity might be on offense, but they have nine picks in this draft. They pick at four, they pick at 35, they pick at 68 uh, in the top three rounds. So they have some pretty high leverage picks in addition to their. Uh, like they have uh, picks in the fifth, multiple sixth round picks. So they have a lot of picks to work with. They could move around in this draft, but they're in a pretty good spot to like take Kyle Pitts and then Javante Williams or something. You know what I mean? So, Oh yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, are they going to turn this over to the Matt Ryan? Like there's Julio Jones trade rumors and all this. So mm-hmm. where do you think this team is heading uh, at pick four? And what do you think uh, we're going to be talking about with this identity on offense in a month? Well, I think like I think you're right in the right there with Kyle Pitts and like a Javante Williams or running back with that second round pick. I think that's who I've got Kyle Pitts going there at four. I didn't get too too deep into um the second round mocking, but I uh who I got there. I I do have Javante Williams going there at uh at 35. 
So, and, and I'm only about 10 picks into the, into the second round. So that is subject to change. I was contemplating the jets taking him in the second round instead, right ahead of Atlanta. So that is a possibility as well. Um, but I think it would just kind of confirm the notion that actually um, we talked about quite a while ago about the, uh, the Falcons. I think it was on our free agency epi that they are just going to concede to the fact that they have to double down on offense being their only Avenue to win games. Um, it's just yeah, we've been talking about that that's since what the they got of the off season yeah yeah so i mean if uh i mean kyle pitts and javante williams coming in would be like the ultimate like hail mary towards that just flexing that offense on teams um i'm not sure that's what they do necessarily i'm not sure if i was building a team i would do that if i wanted longevity you know what i mean i would want to build up both sides of the offense but there's a reason i'm not an nfl gm and um you know, I think this offense could put up a ton of points without Kyle Pitts and Javante Williams. So I think with those guys, it just, it, it could be much better. Yeah. And I, I was kind of on the, you know, I've flip-flopped on this one a couple of times and uh, cause I started as soon as they restructured Matt Ryan's deal, I kind of assumed that that might've been uh, alongside them whispering that they're not going to be selecting a quarterback at four. Um, and then, you know, it, the problem is it's just such a compelling argument. Like, when are you going to be able to take a quarterback this high again? Uh, exactly. You know, because you're going to be looking at a quarterback. Yeah, it's the quarterback four in this class, but it's the quarterback one or two in a lot of other classes. Additionally, Matt Ryan is 36 years old uh, and you have a whole new regime coming in. And the three biggest decision makers in Atlanta just have massive dots to connect to Justin Fields, uh, not to mention the hometown factor for Justin mm-hmm. Fields. So I think it's incredible that, a lot of people have cemented both Mac Jones to San Francisco and Kyle Pitts to Atlanta, because I think there's a real scenario that they do take Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Um, Not to yeah, mention I, that's an owner that went through the Michael Vick um, era. You know what I mean? And saw that mobile quarterback and what he can do for the franchise. Not saying Justin Fields is going to bring that to the table because Michael Vick was kind of one of a kind, but I think the mobility just brings a dynamic element that this offense is missing at the quarterback position because they're fairly dynamic elsewhere. Um, excluding uh, Hayden Hurst Helmsley. Of course, he's not like <laughs> dynamic, but he's useful. Right. And um, y- you mentioned patient Arthur blank. Um, his comments like a couple weeks ago, it seemed like he was, kind of hinting that they're staying with Matt Ryan as well. That's kind of like what really uh, was the final blow for me. And, you know, it's not a bad freaking consolation prize. Like, like Kyle Pitts might True actually that. be the best tight end prospect of all time. His stats blow a guy like Kellen Winslow's out of the water and his measurements, his attitude, the way he carries himself makes him way superior to Vernon Davis. In my opinion, the mismatch machine, your offense becomes with Pitts is just kind of hard to even quantify, but you're gonna have to put all these cornerbacks out there. He has all that versatility to play, you know, wide receiver or tight end corners just won't be able to hang with him. Like the size, the skill, the freaking wingspan. Uh, honestly, even with all the hype trap, I've only grown like more infatuated with Kyle Pitts during, during the process. Totally, man. He's, um, he's just looking like he's going to be that big wide receiver. And I think a situation like Atlanta would be pretty solid because they're almost a lock to throw 600 times where if they have Justin Fields coming in, I don't know if they are that lock to throw 600 times with his rushing ability and, and some of the other things that they could do with the run game if he were to come in there. So um, I think as far as the passing weapons, I think for us to be able to, kind of get some more keep getting the value out of Calvin Ridley and you know maybe get another season out of Julio and get one of those back end tight end one seasons out of Hayden Hurst um, or you know Kyle Pitts of course I think uh, Matt Ryan is definitely a little bit better for that Um, do you think Ty that there is room for 
him to produce like Kyle Pitts, if he were to come in to maybe give us a top 12 season right away, season one, um, as well as with the running back room, if it's Javante in the second, as I've got in my mock, what do you think? Uh, what do you think he does for your boy, Mike D? Mm-hmm. I think he hurts Mike Davis big time. I think oh, Javante Williams goes to a team and becomes uh, a three down back almost immediately. Right. Uh, does he play right away on third downs and stuff like that? That definitely remains to be seen. Can he hold like the only question I have with Javante Williams as a prospect is he plays like a 230, 240 pound back, but he ain't. So, you know, I do yeah. have concerns about that. So I just want to see how he holds up playing uh pants on fire style at 210, 215 pounds. If he puts on weight, I want to know those kind of things, but I think Kyle Pitts kind of will suit this offense so perfectly. Like we said, the new regime coming in, Arthur Smith ran just a ton of two tight end sets uh, in Tennessee. So I think whether he's lined up at tight end, whether he's wind up uh, lined up in the slot, even outside, I think there's just so many ways they can use Kyle Pitts and, you know, there's going to be so much attention paid to Calvin Ridley. Uh, there's going to be attention paid to Julio Jones. So I think there's a lot of room for him to produce in year one. Uh, and the skill set being like we're, we should probably think of him more like a rookie wide receiver than we mm-hmm. should a rookie tight end. And I know that flies in the face of so much, but I don't think they're going to ask him to do a lot of the heavy lifting at tight end in year one. And that's why they went out and made a trade for somebody like Lee Smith. So he can do yeah. the walking at tight end. So I think he ends up playing a lot of wide receiver. I think he ends up finishing as a top 12 tight end as a rookie, which hasn't happened very often. Only three tight ends the last sure. 20 years have scored 150 PPR points as a rookie. But I think Cal Pitts makes that four uh, in 2021. Oh, I dig it. I dig it. Um, should I get us into the Baltimore Ravens here, Ty? You want to you wanna fly into them? So obviously the Ravens made the move sending Orlando Brown to Kansas City. Um, they moved their second round pick which was 58 up to 31 and got a third and a fourth as well as I think a future pick in that as well. But uh, so moral of the story is the Baltimore Ravens have a lot of draft capital and they have historically, uh, you know, they've definitely been a team who has moved around before. Uh, oh, real quick. They did sign Kevin Zeitler to hopefully fill what, what Marshall Yanda gave them. Um, and they did lose some players on that D line, but I want to key in on the amount of draft capital tie. They have picks 27 and 31. Um, do you think they're likely to move around the board or do you think they're likely to like make those picks and restock those cupboards or maybe move back and, and recoup more capital as they have been one to do late or recently? Yeah. I mean, they, they have no second round pick as well. So we should mention that they also have two thirds. They have two fourths. They have two fifths. So they Jeez. have uh lots of capital to get back into that second round if they want to, uh, even without trading one of these first round picks. But the thing is, uh, we talked about it with Rashad Bateman in the props there. Like they pick at 27 green Bay picks at 29 and then they pick again at 31. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. So you, you pick literally that's just sandwiched in there. And Mm -hmm. if you want a wide receiver, if you're Baltimore, this is where you have to take them at 27. You can't wait until 31 because green Bay might take that wide receiver. So Rashad Bateman would make a ton of sense. I think in, in Cleveland uh, or in uh, Baltimore, like he, He brings a lot of similar characteristics that Juju Smith-Schuster brings, uh, who's a wide receiver we know Baltimore targeted in free agency. So I think it's interesting. I think there, I'll put it this way, there's a lot of ways that they could go about making these two picks or moving. Uh, But I think they would wait and move that 31st pick as opposed to pick 27. Totally. And I mean, you were talking before about like David Davis Mills is getting a bunch of first round buzz. That's a that's a pick that a team who maybe wants Davis Mills right. and to be able to t- use that fifth year option 
could come up and get into that 31 for Baltimore to recoup a second round pick because even like say Baltimore goes elsewhere with that, with that 27th pick, I got, I've got them taking Trevon Morig, the safety from, uh, from oh, really? TCU. Yeah. I've got them going yeah. with him at 27. Just really quick. And, I just want to, you know, I, I hate yeah. to interrupt there. I just want to say that I was just digging in on the Raven safety situation. And I just want to say when they lost Earl Thomas, they won like, uh, yeah. Oh that, yeah, that, What's that, that back end got better. Uh, Philip was it Phillips, the guy that kind of stepped into his role like out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Earl was just like a locker room cancer, which is kind of wild. I, I was kind of looking forward to seeing seeing Earl play in that Baltimore defense because he yeah, seemed like a good fit, but um, just didn't didn't end up happening. So I think maybe if they could add more rig to that at twenty seven, and if they did, so who do you have at thirty one though? Uh, thirty one. I have them going going tackle with Jalen Mayfield. Oh, okay. to try and kind of replace Orlando Brown. Um, but I, I think that's super likely to trade out, right? Because they could still get a receiver in that, you know, early to mid second round um, and they could recoup like an, maybe another third or something like that. So I think, uh, I think that's a, a primo people, spot. And I think second most mock position for them is edge, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, they need to address their interior defensive line in Baltimore, you know, they are such a rotational system. So they, yeah. and they blitz at the highest rate in the end of, like they blitz their faces off. So they need bodies in that front seven. Uh, and I think th- there's going to be an argument to make. You always see that in these back end of the first round, like teams that are picking here for a best player available. Uh, like maybe it's uh JOK. Like there's players that could fall to this spot and give them a really, really tough decision. I think, it's hard not to call wide receiver their biggest need, though. I think there's a bit of a disconnect between fantasy and real life. I've been saying this. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, like he, they, Lamar needs that option available to him outside of Hollywood yeah. Brown, regardless of how inaccurate you might think he is as a passer, how little market share you might think that wide receiver would command. I think his market share would go up inside the red zone. I think it would take pressure off Mark yeah. Andrews. I think adding a wide receiver like Rashad Bateman kind of lets everybody win because it's pretty easy right now to stop that passing game. You just have to stop a historically small guy in uh, Hollywood Brown in between the twenties and then switch to stopping Mark Andrews inside exactly. the twenties. And now they have that kind of alternate option in all areas of the field. It'll be interesting if, uh, you know, if the decision comes down to like a Terrence Marshall, like say Bateman's off the board yeah. um, because we've had this debate inside the, the position itself of what profile wide receiver Baltimore should be targeting. Because uh, in theory, I, I'm talking about Bateman kind of filling every role, but do they need yeah. that alpha X third down end zone guy? Do they want a slot wide receiver? Because, you know, everything runs through the slot. Everything's through the middle of the field in that passing game anyways. Yeah, well, I think it is definitely, like you say, they want a guy who can play that alpha role. And, and if you just look at what they've done, they've tried. They tried with Miles Boykin, who's a bigger wide receiver. They tried with Des fucking Bryant last year mm-hmm. to bring him in and see what he can do. And think I think what it is is that guy and can Sam stay now. And Sammy's there now, right? And he's got a little bit of size on him. And that guy can stay on the field no matter what they're doing, right? They If they want a wide receiver out there blocking, it's not going to be Hollywood Brown. But a Rashad Bateman has the body type who could do that. Um, and they use the slot a lot, whether it's Mark Andrews or a wide receiver. So I think that would be that would be a good spot for that guy, right? And I think the disconnect with fantasy that you were talking about is so true because we all in fantasy say, no, they don't need another wide receiver for fantasy. And that hinges on hoping that we can still get some production out of Hollywood Brown. Um, but they're obviously not thinking about it from fantasy. I think all offenses in the NFL probably naturally think that they can take another step. And I think for Baltimore, um, regardless of what we have seen in fantasy football for them being able to support a second wide receiver, I think their offense 
A, doesn't care if they support a second fantasy wide receiver, and B, would like to continue to add tools around their young quarterback, who they're about to pay a big contract. Um, so they're going to want to add tools, whether those guys are useful for fantasy or not. If that guy can stay on the field, whether they're blocking or running the ball with Lamar, then I think that's what they're looking for. Um, as far as the production of that guy, I would really like to see who the guy is, I think. like, I, And I, I think it would hurt Hollywood Brown, but I I just want to see who it is. Because if it is a Bateman, then I really like that. Um, you know, it, it probably still isn't like more than wide receiver three numbers, maybe back in wide receiver two numbers. Um, but that's a tall task for a rookie in a run first offense. But um, I think it would be an interesting wrinkle to see how the offense may evolve if they invested some good capital in adding more weapons. And I like that you went uh, offensive line for them too. I also went offensive line at 31 for them uh, just because, you know, Lamar was pressured on about every fifth snap in 2019 that went up to every third snap in 2020 uh, getting pressured over 10% more uh, in 2020 than 2019. Definitely. Cause Marshall Yanda, that was the first year without him, Ronnie Stanley missed time. So I think they improved that offensive line, but yeah, they lost Orlando Brown, which is unfortunate, but I think Brown's will mm-hmm. uh, Ravens fans will feel better when the Chiefs have to pay uh, pay Brown. Yeah, big cheddar. And then if they can get a rookie tackle to come in at the pick they got from the Chiefs, that'd be kind of ironic. So last exactly. question, and I on, think. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think he'd be an upgrade on uh, Ben Bredson and uh, like uh, like Landon Dickerson can play guard or center, so he might be yeah. a better uh, a better Matt Skuro replacement than Pat McCarry, anyways. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last question on Baltimore um, real quick. Do you think they could add a running back? And then kind of secondly to that um, say they got Bateman at 27 moved 31 back and got a second round pick. Do you think there's any possibility that they could go like a Friermuth or a Bre- Brevin Jordan to try and keep those multi tight end sets? Um, so would, quick answer think- on a running back and then the tight end situation. Just I'll, I'll double, uh, I'll go reverse style there because I think Friermouth would be the easy selection over Brevin Jordan. I think yeah. that's important just because he has that three down skill set. But yeah. uh, I actually think they have like relatively, like they have some needs here. So I think those are luxury picks. I think right. a running back coming in via free agency is more likely. I do think they add another running back to this group before uh, week one. I do think that. Um, and then, yeah, I just think tight end would be such a luxury pick right now. And uh, I'm just blanking on it, but I think they brought another uh, tight end in this offseason. But yeah, they need yeah. to address like that back end. You haven't taken a safety. I think they need a slot cornerback uh, or a safety, uh, you know, but running backs on the list, I think it's just really low down. And I think now that I think about it in my scenario where they took Bateman at 27, I'm not sure that they would prioritize another tight end um, because that guy would, you know, likely be blocking with all the other pass catchers, including Bateman. So I don't think like that guy would be coming in for a pass catching role. So good point. So, you know, what about the Bills? I think the Bills are one of the more interesting teams in the draft because they're a pretty set offensive team, and maybe they look to push that offense over the top with Brian Dable coming back. Uh, They pick, you know, they have their normal picks in the top three rounds, so they're picking at the back of the draft. Bills fans are not used to that. Mm -hmm. Um, They have guys they really have to pay. They have to pay Josh Allen. They have to pay Edmonds. Like, they have some contracts they're really going to have to dish out here. Um, but what do you what do you think they're going to do in the first couple of rounds? Do you think they're going to add a running back or a wide receiver or anything exciting? Or do you think they're going to go cornerback to pair with somebody with Trey, uh, with Tredavious White or what? Yeah, well, in my mock, I actually have Landon Dickerson going to them at 30. 
for the Bills. Um, so I don't have them going corner. And I think 30 is a, a kind of a weird spot for a corner because you would need someone like, a, you know, you would need like Gre- Greg Newsom to fall to 30. And I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. Um, and then I think there's a bit of a tear break after him. You did mention um, uh, Stokes. That could be a spot for Stokes to go. Um, so definitely one to monitor and corner would be a nice ad for that defense because I mean, that defense is primed for a bounce back, but I don't think they're going to go sexy running back or wide receiver in the first two rounds, at least um, just because they brought in Manny Sanders. They want um, Gabriel Davis to ascend a little bit. Cole Beasley is going to get his Stefan Diggs is one of the best wide receivers in the league. So I think they've got a pretty solid option with those four guys. Um, and so to invest heavily in another wide receiver would be maybe good for the long term, especially signing Josh Allen to that deal pretty soon. But I don't think um, that would be the piece that puts them over the hump to be that Super Bowl team, which is, I think, what they want to do right now. So I think they probably are looking for people that they can use pretty, pretty early. Yeah. I don't think they're going to go one of those positions. Actually, I might, I might go wide receiver if I was them, but I think like some of these options are on the table. Like wide receiver doesn't jump off the page as a need in Buffalo by any means, but the Bills ran three wide receiver sets or more. 88% of the time last year, by mm-hmm. far the most in the NFL, by far, and just an outrageous number. Uh, hail Brian Dable and sharp football yeah. for that's for those. Uh, yeah, for those no numbers. doubt. Um, wide receiver would be a bit of a luxury pick, but the Bills defense is, you know, just much better than what they showed last season. You know what I mean? I think we're expecting some natural regression to the mean on that side of the ball, anyways. Uh, and, you know, we just, we saw this offense just completely transform. So why not kind of build on that offensive trajectory would be my point. Mm-hmm. But I think they might do it with a running back. Uh, I really think Travis Etienne might be the pick. Like Brandon Bean, the GM in Buffalo, was there in Carolina when they took Christian McCaffrey. Uh, so was head coach uh, Sean McDermott for that matter. Uh, ATN, I think, brings a whole new dynamic to the offense. And I think they want Josh Allen taking way less hits. That's like one of their big priorities, I think, going forward. And maybe dumping off to a pass catching back as a way to kind of curb some of Josh Allen's tendencies. I know we always say that about these guys, but, uh, and it's easier said than done. But, it, you know, it's not even an ideal scheme fit either for Travis ATN. Like, I would much yeah, prefer him so. to land in a straight outside zone. Uh, but it's the same thing that people talk about with Arizona, except for it's more true in Buffalo all of a sudden than it is in Arizona. Totally, uh, which, which we is, did not expect. <laughs> no, we didn't see that coming. But the scheme and the skill set, I think, would still be a really good marriage. Like, ATN can accelerate, take advantage of the the yards before contact that'll present itself in this offense because mm-hmm. it's spread out. You know, when you spread out all these wide receivers, there's not going to be a lot of linebackers on the field. You get these light fronts. And then, in addition to that, you have the threat of Josh Allen. Uh, on the RPOs and play action like this, the offense is just going to be scared to death play action for Buffalo last year. And, you know, th- we know there's a ton of box explosive plays in the passing game in Buffalo. I just think adding ATN, you know, if I'm arguing for why I think they could make this pick, you'd be adding a bunch of explosive plays in the running game as well. Um, but yeah, yeah. For fantasy for fantasy, I wouldn't like this. And I am. You know, team running back. I hate it. Matter, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, and I think like Devin Singletary is not the receiver that ETN is, but he can catch the ball and he can have some of those breakaway plays, right? Like I think. Yeah, I don't. I, don't think I just don't. Like I think ETN. They're not even the close as players. Ball. Yeah, yeah. But I just I think, think they're like ATN's on a different level, in my opinion, receiving. For sure, for sure. But I, I just, think what I that is that people never notice on tape or whatever, even the tape guys never notice it. It's that he catches the ball and he's already moving. He's already yeah. 
he's just fast. Not like almost full speed the second yeah. he catches the ball for sure. And, it, and it's more um, that 90, 90% of running backs just don't have that. They're just, they have to mm-hmm. set up their feet before they're, you know, everything. And that's same with Najee Harris. I just love how their, their feet are ahead of their body all the time. For sure. And I think like if you're going to invest a first round pick in Travis Etienne, they're going to have to really commit to giving the running back more targets. Um, So that would be one to kind of keep an eye on because they haven't necessarily done it. I've kind of said that Josh Allen, um, instead of checking down, he's just going to run the ball. So um, and obviously they're thinking about it from a real football standpoint, not a fantasy football standpoint. But still, like I think they would want to commit to using that guy for the reasons it, that they drafted them. Right. And so we would see, probably see a little bit of a change in that offense and the target distribution. I just think they'd want to add something that they like, and it's ironic because it completely kind of flies in the face of the type of running back that we've seen this organization target over the last two years in Devin Singletary mm-hmm. and Zach Moss, who are very much like a Pittsburgh Steelers style running back. Yeah, for sure. Um, but having said that, I think that's exactly why they want Travis Etienne. I don't think they're asking Travis Etienne to pass protect. I don't think they're going to ask him to be in there on every uh, third down, but I think he's going to be a, a very, like this offense will be so hard to stop on first down with Travis Etienne and what Josh Allen and Brian Dable have been able to do on first down. Totally. Having said that, I still think wide receiver might be in play here too, just because, you know, there's one guy that I can't get over. I want Rondell Moore in Buffalo so badly. Like it just makes so much sense because, you know, I love Rondell Moore. Maybe you have worries about the durability, uh, the height maybe, but his closest comparable guy who's put up fantasy production at five, seven is uh Cole Beasley. So yeah, cool. crispy, crispy Cole. So um, give me long-term, give me Rondell Moore over Cole Beasley and then give me uh Cole Beasley when Rondell's hurt. <laughs> I like it handcuffing them. Um, no, and it makes sense too, because those two guys could get on the field at the same time with those four wide receiver sets that they run, be- run because I'm pretty sure they had the most in the league um, for four wide receiver sets. Um, just looking. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, they were, they they were way up there in, in four wide out sets, um, which was definitely like, thank you, Brian Dable. Once again, <laughs> almost 90% of the time they had at least three wide receivers on the, on the field. You know, Cole Beasley, like, you can't play guys every snap. So uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, Moore's and, and they, they like these kind of wide receivers too. Like they keep bringing Isaiah McKenzie and guys like Robert Foster. Like the, I think there's guys who are in this wide receiver class that suit what they, the, what, what they're after, but we should cap off the bills by saying that it probably is going to be cornerback. Uh, I just think where they're picking is a tough spot when it comes to how the board falls at corner. They might have to, uh, to reach on somebody if a Stokes isn't there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. There's that, there's that teardrop where I don't think we see corners go into like the middle of the second after that. Um, so when really quick, wind totals came out 10 and a half yes. over under for Buffalo. <laughs> hey, theme of this episode, Ty, I was supposed to be all over those wind totals and I, I have them pulled up as you well, were, you were but I, to- to- I, I totally forgot. To so thanks for flying in there, buddy. <laughs> oh, that was yeah, just one that I remembered. Show. Cause I, sm- I, I, you just don't see a lot of wind totals come out, uh, for teams that aren't perennially at the top of their, uh, their conference. Uh, so that's a, that's an interesting one at 10 and a half. I yeah, have a hard a time deep. taking the over there. Yeah. I think that'd be pretty tricky, tricky, but like it's definitely something that they could do with the squad that they have and that defensive bounce back that's coming. Trav, I hope people took the over on Carolina last year. Uh, everybody just thought they were going to be the worst team in football, but this offensive regime kind of, uh, 
put a lot in place that like Joe Brady and these guys are, they know what they're doing. And Joe Brady's probably a head coach in 2022. So Carolina picks at eight, they pick at 39, they pick at 73. They have all their normal picks, no seventh and an extra sixth Um, left tackle, you know, offensive line seems like the priority there. Do Mm -hmm. you Number eight, do you think they can trade out of that pick? Do you think uh, they even try and trade up maybe? Or do you think they're going with Sam Darno, building that offensive line for the quarterback who was under pressure the most often last year? Uh, and when do you think they could go in on wide receiver with Curtis Samuel leaving? Or do you think, mm-hmm. how, how do you think they go after that? I think they do take a wide receiver probably in the first three rounds. Um, just to address that eighth overall pick, I think they're going to stay put. We've talked a little we've We've talked a little bit about this in the True North group chat and just you and I, Ty. Um, they really like Rashawn Slater a lot, obviously. So I think it would have to be a mega haul for them to move back out of that eight spot. And I think it would take a lot of dominoes not falling maybe, which means like teams not moving up ahead of them in, in the draft, which would mean that a quarterback would fall to eight and a team would be willing to give up that big haul that they're looking for to move up. I think that the tricky piece is they're automatically taking themselves out of the Rashawn Slater Slater sweepstakes, because I think the next team on the list that would probably trade up to eight, we're probably looking at like the Patriots. Um, I don't know if Denver would move up that one spot just for like a block situation, but it could happen. I think the haul is a lot less in that instance, Whereas if if the Patriots come up from 15, that's going to be, you know, something maybe worthy of moving that eighth pick. But I think you just acquired, you just acquired a 23 year old quarterback. Um, You should definitely use that eighth overall pick to shore up that offensive line um, because they've already accelerated the retooling of the roster with Joe Brady and Matt rule. Like we thought that they were maybe going to be a couple years out, but with a little bit of defense and this offense continuing to hum along, I think they can accelerate that process and a day one, 15 year starter offensive lineman is a good way to do that. You know, (laughs) I have a hard time like thinking about it because I, I thought Carolina was doing every single little thing right. uh, Until the Sam Darno desperation move. I thought that was a little uh, reeky of desperation, if you will, but, uh, and we should mention they did trade. uh, They did trade Teddy Bridgewater. They got a sixth round pick for him. They are retaining $7 million of his salary. So not as much. uh, They're still, uh, on the hook for quite a bit at quarterback. I'm yeah. not sure if they want to add another top 10 pick. And to your point about the dominoes falling, I think it's more likely that Penny Sewell falls to them than it is uh, yeah. two quarterbacks that they're choosing from, so to speak. Uh, like, I don't think uh, Justin Fields and Trey Lance are going to be available to them at eight. I think it's more likely mm-hmm. Penny Sewell is. Um, totally. So what do you, what do you, what do you think they're looking for at wide receiver? Do you think they're looking yeah. to replace Curtis Samuel's touches and gadgety plays and slot and backfield touches, or can DJ Moore inherit a little bit of that Christian McCaffrey coming back, inherit most of that. Uh, and yeah. they can, and, and they're free to, to look at whatever they want. I think a little bit of all of that, to be honest, like I think DJ Moore probably does eat a little bit of that. He, you know, I think it, their second round is probably like wheelhouse for them to get another slot player, which to, would me, which to me would mean that, you know, DJ Moore is going to move around a lot between the slot and outside. And then with Christian McCaffrey coming back, soaking up a bunch more targets and whatnot, I think it all kind of like comes out in the wash that way where, um, the second round pick is probably what I'm looking at for. Um, so 39 is a perfect spot for them to grab a wide receiver. And I think it would be one of those slot guys. So like a Rondale Moore, could you imagine Rondale Moore coming into that offense with that speed um, oh, yeah. and that abil- ability to take those 20 plus carries 
per season that Curtis Samuel's been taking. Like that's a little bit of wide receiver Konami action, if you ask me. Um, so I think a guy like that, or maybe if Elijah Moore slips there, that would be pretty fantastic as well. Um, so I think they do have some options that would fit nicely into the offense. And I think they are going to attack it probably with that 39th pick. Um, just because they like to run a lot of three wide receiver sets with, with Joe Brady's offense. And um, they're going to need another dynamic guy because all three of those guys produced last year. All three of them had significant um, important roles within that offense. And I don't think they're going to want to change, um, change that a whole lot going into the second year of the regime. And what I ended up doing is, you know, they went all defense last year, famously, uh, in the draft. And so I have them going their first two round picks uh, going on that offensive line, attacking their offensive line heavily. But I have them taking uh, Dwayne Eskridge at 73 overall, which I would I think he I think Dwayne Eskridge might go earlier than that, to be honest. Yeah. But uh, a lot of teams really like him, including Carolina. And yeah. I have Rashawn Slater. Like, I really think left tackle, they have to upgrade uh, Greg Little, who's only played half a dozen games in the league since they took him a couple of years ago. And Darno has been the single most pressured quarterback over the last two seasons. And, you know, we know he's he's been, he's really struggled under pressure. And he's totally struggled in a clean pocket too. For the well, and it's not like he's really any more mobile than Teddy Bridgewater, right? So it's not like yeah. they can get by without having is. that. I think well, I think he probably is. Yeah, like he actually had a really big run last year and looked pretty good. I know. On Maybe it. that one's yeah. just sticking in my mind. Trap. Totally, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. We you never see that from Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, so totally. Teddy Bridgewater is fucking shit at running the ball. <laughs> then, I guess. Um, no, but I think like you you want to protect that guy. Like just think about how this offense operated so nicely last year. Think about that with a good offensive line basically would just be kind of like putting the turbo on the on the hot rod or something like that taylor taylor morton's like the only player i have faith in on that offensive line uh and what you do is you add a left tackle and all of a sudden you have him and taylor morton uh stabilizing your tackle positions and that's 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 a nice uh that's a nice offensive line all of a sudden actually watch uh watch taylor morton hold out he's on the franchise (laughs) damn (laughs) hopefully not hopefully not i'm gonna move us into the bears here ty duh bears um, I don't want to spend too much time Me on either. them just because obviously they're not a very sexy team. Um, they, <laughs> their draft capitals, they got the first, the, se- the first, the second, and the third round picks, no fourth, a fifth and four sixth rounders for the bears. The mark of the devil. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously Allen Robinson's back on that chai's tag. Um, but the wide receiver room is pretty ugly behind him. We like Darnell Mooney, but to a certain extent, I think offensive line is in rough shape. Um, they only have one offensive lineman under contract in 2022. So they're going to need to retool there. Um, so I think they've got a lot of work to do if they think they can be the defense that they were a couple of years ago as well. Um, but I think the biggest question is the quarterback position tie. I'm just curious. They pick at 20, so not a good wheelhouse to get a quarterback that can be a franchise changer. Um, but do you think there is any avenue for them to attack the quarterback position uh, in Dual a meaningful situation. way? Yeah. Hey, Trap? <laughs> yeah. I think you froze there and then came back. Really oh, quick. shoot. Yeah. Shoot. Um, um, just repeat your question there really quick. Yeah. Well, I'm curious if you think there is an avenue for them to attack the quarterback position meaningfully um, so no. that it might make this offense look a little sexy or something. Is there anything that they can do to make this offense look sexy? Absolutely. What they can do is trade Allen Robinson, get rid of Ryan Pace, get rid of Matt Nagy <laughs> and trade Allen Robinson because he could actually probably get you a first round pick. And then you use 20 and that pick you acquired from new England at 15 for Allen, whoever, uh, <laughs> 
and you go up and you try and get one of these quarterbacks because it seems like there will be an avenue where a Trey Lance or, you know, that fifth quarterback might fall to that eight, yeah. nine or even beyond. So uh, yeah. there is a way that they could do it, but you know, if they do it, I just don't have faith in Ryan Pace uh, not giving up the farm to do it because this team is so devoid of talent. I, I, I knew this was coming because they're up against the cap this team's been run into the ground and they went with Andy Dalt. Like they haven't made a single correct decision in this regime. Not one single one that I can point to. No, no, it's been pretty brutal. And I think, um, I think, yeah, just like you, it'd be a mega long shot for them to actually do that because if they don't do the Allen Robinson thing, like you said, they're going to mortgage their future. And I think if they're mortgaging the future, but bringing in a young quarterback with what they mortgaged it for, I think that's kind of counterproductive in that you're setting this young quarterback who's probably going to start from day one because Andy Dalton's on the top of your depth chart right now. Um, you'd be setting him up for potential failure in the first few years of, uh, of his career. Um, and that kind of shit can like kill a really promising quarterback's career. So you know what else? Uh, I kind of be... just hope they don't because they'll ruin him. And the other thing I worry, like, let's move this to wide receiver, which is probably the most popular yeah. mock draft position to Chicago. And I have a pretty strong take on that just because you have Andy Dalton there. You have Ryan Pace on this incredibly short-minded mindset that they're operating under. Uh, and there's just no way that he's supporting anybody other than Allen Robinson, uh, whether it's Darnell Mooney, whether it's uh, Rashad Bateman or whoever you have at 20 going there. I think what makes them better in the short term would be adding someone like Elijah Vera Tucker, who, yeah. you know, maybe it's a little early for a guard who's getting slandered a little bit because of his measurements, but like, like, let's say he's a guard and not a tackle, even though if there's anywhere he could play tackle, it's the place where Charles Leno gave up over 40 fucking pressures last year. Burn, uh, burn. And Wilkinson, who's a brutal right tackle. But James, you know, James Daniel, Jermaine Effetti, like their guards suck too. So I just think there's, and like you said, with the, con- the contracts uh, in 2021. So I think they have to add someone like Elijah Vera Tucker and that immediately makes them better. Whereas a wide receiver is just going to literally not get targeted. Uh, and I, I'm expecting a lot of prairie yards instead of air yards for, for my boy. Darn totally. Well, and it's funny that you say that because I have the bears going in the direction that they probably shouldn't, as you stated and taking Rashad Bateman with the 20th overall pick. So, and like, uh, would it, would it surprise me that Ryan Pace thinks that a wide receiver would immediately make his team better as opposed to protecting Andy Dalton. So he can actually like do something. Yeah. Yeah. No, no surprise there folks. No surprise there. <laughs> And it, it's, it, it would, it would suck from a fantasy lens as well, just really quick. Cause Rashad Bateman would be locked into more short average depth of targets, but he also would be really hurting for volume when it comes to, uh, Allen Robinson being there. Yeah. And it, it, that. within that red zone volume, which is the most lucrative variety, <laughs> um, I'm going to slide into the Bengals here, Ty. I'm going to take two in a row. I'm going to, uh, double up, uh, uh, on this. So, um, the Bengals have three picks in the top 70, um, I think, you know, we've stated before, we like this offense as one to buy pieces of they've got Joe Burrow was the one one last year. They've got another top five pick this year. Uh, they drafted T Higgins last year, who I think could be a future wide receiver one for fantasy football. And then Tyler Boyd with that steady, you know, 14 to 18 finish year every year, uh, probably around 17 is I think where he's been like the last two years in a row, I think, but, um, 
that fifth pick, I think if, if the draft starts with San Francisco tie, I think the draft is going to get into full swing with the Bengals pick at five, um, because there's talk about, uh, see, uh, Panay Sewell going there. There's talk about, uh, Jamar chase going there. And I think that's what we've zeroed on in on as the two guys. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Do you think they're going to go potentially with a luxury pick at wide receiver or do you think they maybe make the smart move for that uh, second-year quarterback and go with Panay Sewell? Or as you said, if he's slipping, then Rashawn Slater potentially at that fifth pick. Well, the irony is I think it definitely should be Sewell, and I think they have Sewell much higher than, uh, like I think they're one of the teams who would consider him a generational talent maybe. But uh, I think the second-year quarterback is the guy who's calling the shots here, to be completely honest. Uh I have zero faith in the Bengals organization. We all know Jerry Jones is the only GM owner, right? Well, that's actually wrong. There's a guy named Mike Brown who's just 10 times fucking worse who's running the Bengals and always has been for the last 30 years, and that's why they don't have a playoff win in the last 30 years. So I have no faith in this organization, and that's why I think that Jamar Chase is extremely a legit option uh, to go here. Not that I even think it's a, a terrible pick to, to take Jamar Chase. I mean – I talked a lot of this offseason about how they should be big players in the wide receiver market and free agency because they have control of this wide receiver room. And there's such a demand because of the system placed on the wide receiver position. About 70% of the targets under Zach Taylor have gone to the wide receiver position. So mm -hmm. I don't hate the ad of Jamar Chase. I just hate the way they're making their decisions in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And the football gods will sting you when you're not, not doing the right thing. So mm -hmm. uh, I really do... Uh, lean towards the pick being Jamar Chase, uh, even though about 80% of the mock drafts, according to Grinding the Mock, have uh, Penny Sewell going there. Yeah, it's funny. Just over the last 24 hours, actually, I had Jamar Chase at five and I had Penny Sewell at six and I swapped them today. And there's a good chance that I swapped back three or four times before <laughs> the draft starts tomorrow uh, because I really am not sure. Like, just like you laid out there, Joe Burrow probably calling the shots there he is the future of the france franchise and if he's lobbying for jamar chase i think that holds weight i think the other factor there is zach taylor like you said all those targets go to the wide receiver position 76 percent of their their um their snaps were with three wide receivers on the field which is the most in the nfl right so um i think that zach taylor plus joe burrow could equal jamar chase thing is extremely real um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's good. It would be interesting to see because let's just hypothetically say they do go Jamar chase. Um, let's talk about kind of the impact on the target totem pole, um, with T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Um, sorry, Joe Mixon. Yeah. Sorry. Fucking Joe <laughs> Mixon. Okay. Let's move on to the next team. Let's just get, get past these guys. <laughs> um, no, I think that's good conversation too, right? Because Gio's gone. Um, so we want Mixon to get those targets, but if Jamar chase comes in there, then I think it could be more tough sledding for, uh, for Joe but I Mixon, do, but yeah, and I uh, would I would offer the point that it can't get much higher. Like uh you're never gonna see a team have 75 to 80 percent of their targets go to the wide receiver position. That'll never ever happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and we know the tight end position is severely devalued uh in this system. So yeah, I think I think to be honest, the guy who would be hurt is T. Higgins or Jamar Chase, whoever loses yeah. that battle, which is really unfortunate because these are two of the top 10 wide receiver prospects that we've probably had in this decade. So it's uh yeah. It, it would, they're two guys that I absolutely love too. So I, it would really be unfortunate. I also love Tyler Boyd in the slot and he's going to get his against yeah. some coverage and stuff. So um, totally. And I think like yeah, it, it, it's a spot where Joe Mixon can actually, uh, 
like don't let people like me for the last couple of years have been saying he needs the market share or don't draft him. This might be the year that he still can get the market share, even though another wide receiver comes in because Joe left. And I think he's probably going at a draft price where he's so worth it now because I think some of the community is starting to come mm-hmm. off of him. Uh, maybe a little bit, right? Yeah, he's like, expensive you're, again. <laughs> you're like, is he? Yeah, you're for a month or so. Yeah, you could have enjoyed that third yeah, round. Yeah, like that like third month, round. No, yeah, no more. Shit. No. <laughs> Damn. Um, I know yeah, how well, fast it goes. I think it's an interesting, an interesting one to monitor because you we're going to have multiple guys produce probably three pass catchers produce here. Um, I was just looking at some of the passing volume because if you look at their passing volume from last year, it's a little bit deceiving because I think it was a product of that Joe Burrow injury because, um, before Joe Burrow got hurt, he was throwing the ball 41 times per game. Uh, after he got hurt, that went down to 27 pass attempts per game for the Cincinnati Bengals. So um, don't um, don't take that back half of the season offense at face value. Look a little bit deeper and see that they are going to throw the ball some more. So there is going to be some avenue for some of these other guys to produce pretty well. And, and I'm here for it. Um, and just to add on to that with Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon, who a lot of people will point to as the people who will suffer. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that because they will be neglecting offensive line, which means Burrow will be under pressure, which means he has to get rid of the ball quickly, which means he's going to be going to his closest targets, which means he'll be going to Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd quite a bit out of necessity. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, um, lastly on the Bengals here, Ty, I'm curious if you think with Gio gone, um, if they're going to potentially bring in some sort of significant running back, um, do you think, do you think they'll add there in the draft for somebody that's going to get some snaps for them or probably not quite? I don't think so. No, I I think they're, uh, like, I think they're kind of off running back. I mean, they have, uh, the better P Ryan on the roster. They have Travion, uh, Williams, uh, yeah. They have uh, bodies there. I think if they add somebody, it'll be off the scrap heap uh, via free agency. I don't think they'll add a running back in this draft. And just really quick, like I think a lot of people are trying to take a cop out in the whole uh, Penny Sewell, Jamar Chase thing, saying that their interior offensive line is the big need. But I think uh, it's similar to what I was talking about. Like you put those two anchors on the tackle positions and your interior is a lot easier to build from there. Uh, for much cheaper for that matter. And I just think, yeah, it's the whole pasta needs the noodles before the baked cheese thing. And uh, <laughs> I think chase is the baked cheese and the other, the tackle is literally fucking named after a, an elite noodle. Like penne is an elite noodle. Too. It is. It is. It definitely is. Especially when you get like with a white sauce on a penne noodle, a oh. um, little, little bit of chicken, maybe a little bit of mushroom in there and some Parmesan cheese and shit. Mm. Damn. That's Bam. good get stuck in those little those little cylindrical bastards and you take a bite and it just explodes in your mouth and it's it's like a gasm and shit it's good uh. <laughs> so speaking of orgasmic explosions the cleveland Whoa. browns are picking at 26 Trav, you do not see uh the cleveland yeah. browns and buffalo bills picking in the last six picks of the draft uh very often that's a yeah. That's something uh, that I never thought I'd see. So, big, big you know, do they think they bases. add? <laughs> yeah, totally. So do you think the dog pound uh, adds a single offensive player in this draft? If so, what position and when? <laughs> <laughs> it's tricky, man. Like, I think, like, if you look at it, they've got, they've got some capital behind that first round pick too. They got two third round picks, two fourth round picks. Um, really? Four, yeah. Four inside the top 100 in total. Um, let me make sure. Yep. It wow. is. That is the case. <laughs> um, so I think that like, I think they're probably going to add a wide receiver at some point. Um, I think 
you know, if they could use some of that capital to move up in the second a little bit, um, they could attack a strong wide receiver because um, maybe maybe somebody in the third as well. But I think e- either way, like they're going to use those four picks in the third and fourth round to, to move around a little bit and try and get one of those guys. Um, because if you look at Odell and Jarvis Landry, like Jarvis is already super cheap to cut right now, like three million to cut right now, a million and a half to cut next year. Um, and they'd save 15 million on Jarvis. They save 15 million on Odell next year with zero dead cap. Um, and they're not necessarily like, I think the cap's going to go up obviously. And they're not necessarily projected though, to have a ton of cap space. So I think it's going to be interesting to see, because I think we're going to see a huge revamp of this wide receiver room in the next couple of years. And I think this could be the year that they start that, or maybe think they're going to start that with somebody in that second or third round just depends who they take. And, and, you know, if we're, if we're looking at, tossing out a couple of names here if they want some ceiling plays like guys who can um be dynamic like what odell is supposed to be you could be looking at like terrace marshall at the top of the second um or not sorry not at the top of the second they'd have to trade up for terrace marshall most likely well just to pause really quick there and just just hold your thought on some of those wide receiver names totally yeah yeah uh, a target to like they seem like a, a team to identify as a team that doesn't have a ton of needs and could really trade back out of the first round uh, as a team tries to come back in and being at 26, it might be a little more valuable where there are multiple teams trying to trade in and you can get ahead of those teams. Yeah. I think it really depends what they want to attack. Right. Because I'm in, in the camp that they're going to go defense with that third rounder, like you said, like, and I think outside of that wide receiver, I think they are going to go very heavily defense just because the offense is a funnel. Like this offense funnels to a couple of wide receivers. Look at the roster. Like they use a lot of two tight end sets, which in Joku and Hooper, they've got Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham to play those wide receiver spots. Rashad Higgins, Kaderil Hodge, Donovan Peoples Jones. Like they've got guys that they like in there as well as the best running back duo in the NFL. So uh, they don't have like those needs. Their offensive line is good too. So, and you uh, talk about scheme on defense. That's like, we could see a lot more nickel coming next year. Like I just think, or sorry, dime coming next year. Like we could see a lot more defensive backs on the field as opposed to linebackers. Like we have this new, uh, this new system coming in. So I think they need bodies. I think number one, they need to find a pass rusher, opposite miles garrett i think that's extremely important well, that's miles where i have garrett them going in of, the first yeah I've me too i have uh, aziz i think going there oh, oh nice aziz, yeah the tools oh, yeah, yeah and i think sure. just because aziz like it's not even the best scheme fit but i think uh aziz just offers maybe a little bit more right away whereas OA, yeah I think might have to wait a little bit true um that. but yeah i didn't realize they had that much capital so you know what they could move up in this draft like they have a lot of uh possibilities and what they should be doing is trying to find the best player available who can make the biggest impact on the roster for sure. But I think that player is probably like an edge defender, maybe even another super strong corner. If you're going to play that much dime yeah. uh, or an inside defensive line lineman, uh, maybe Barmore is, uh, you mm-hmm. know, he's probably the only defensive tackle I'd be taking in the top four rounds of this draft. And he's probably a first round grade on a lot of people's yeah. boards. Yeah. Yeah, I got him. I'm pretty sure I got him in the first here, um, but I think that that would be, really nice for them to grab a corner because if you look, they've got, um, um, geez, I'm totally blanking on his name. Their main corner ward, ward from Ohio. Yeah. And ward, yeah. I'm sure they're expecting some internal growth from these guys, even, gre- Gre- even greedy Grabby, Williams, Grabby Williams. Yeah. Grabby Williams. Yeah. Well, he got hurt and he was, you know, a talented guy. Um, and then adding a, another corner there, like, um, 
in my mock, I've got Greg Newsom going at 22 to the Titans, but let's say Greg Newsom were to fall a little bit, he would be a nice add for them as well. So um, moral of the story here, Ty, is that they're going to go defense, and, and I just don't think we're going to see a whole lot of fantasy-relevant additions unless they give you that second-round wide receiver because that's going to be a dynasty target as opposed to a season-long target for 2021, I think. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so speaking of defense, I think the first defensive player probably comes off the board for the Dallas Cowboys. Sorry, Kyle Pitts, uh, Jerry Jones, boner cities. Like that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you, you're he, killing the one boner this guy can get in an entire year. Like the guy probably can barely even get that thing up and you got to go and kill his Kyle Pitts boner tie. <laughs> so that was, what do you, story. what do you think? No, <laughs> Nope. Uh, Jerry knows Viagra is, so you just pop that. Uh, you seen the yacht. You saw the yacht at the draft last year. What do you think he's doing on that fucking yacht? Anyway, <laughs> <Yeah>. carry on. <laughs> carry on. Going out to international water. So I'm thinking about the Dallas Cowboys because we talked about the Atlanta Falcons off the top and how their only avenue uh, to being very competitive might be to have a powerhouse offense. I think the same could probably be true for the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC least this year. Uh so what do you think? Because they're so needy on defense. Uh, do you think they spend most of their picks in this draft on that side of the ball? Or do you think they're adding a wide receiver looking forward uh, to Amari Gallup decision and stuff like that? I don't think they're going to add wide receiver. I think if they do make a splash, it would be that Kyle Pitts move up. If he were to slide past Atlanta um, and say get to six at uh, at Miami, who might just take him anyway, but. I don't know. Would you give um, up a second and third to do that if you were Dallas? To go from 10 to 6? Yeah. To go up um, I probably wouldn't, but I think Jerry might, you know, um, just if he's that in love with Kyle Pitts. But I'm like, I love Pitts, and I think he would be great in that offense. But I just, like, that offense is already set to be kind of supercharged. And so he would improve the offense for the long term. But I don't think, like... I don't know. I just, it, it sounds uh, weird to say he doesn't take them to the next level, which isn't quite what I mean, but that's kind of what I mean. Like, I don't think he, yeah, they're already the into a Super Bowl team. Out. They can already do what he's going to bring with the guys that they have where um, I've got them going with JC Horn at 10 and you see a lot of mocks having Ooh. Pat Sertan going to them at 10 um, full disclosure, JC Horn at 10, might have been a little bit of a homer play because at 12, I have the Eagles going with Pat Sertan, who I would rather have. Um, well, I just so think they, Sertan... I think that's the position that they attack his corner at 10, though. And that's who I have is Patrick Sertan. It just seems so set in stone because he played with Trevon Diggs there. They were teammates at Alabama. Uh, and yeah, that secondary was 21st against the pass last year in Dallas DV, per DVOA, and they're 30th against deep passing last year. Yeah. So, uh, And he, he just seems, he seems like a lot more of a safe... Like I just have a lot if, you know, we saw Diggs struggle a little bit as a rookie corner uh, and there's just a lot of going ons in Dallas, like changing schemes, having such a young, terrible fucking defense uh, mm -hmm. that I think he's just a perfect fit because he uh, he's probably one of the more NFL ready prospects in the entire. Draft. For sure. Like the the pedigree being, a you know, a dynamite cornerback son going to Alabama versus J.C. Horn, who is a dynamite wide receiver's son. Um, but went to TCU, um, you know, doesn't necessarily, you know, have all of those boxes checked 
the way that Pat Sertan does. So, um, yeah, I definitely see it too. It's, it's going to be a corner. I think at that pick, unless, unless there was like some sort of crazy ass development where Rashawn Slater were to slip to 10. Um, so say like Carolina traded out or something like that, which is where, uh, where I have Slater going. Um, I think Dallas would like to restock the offensive line. Um, Are you saying that they're offensive not going to agile? Yeah, I'm saying that, you know, the the dust is settled on that uh, that elite offensive line. Injuries have mounted. Um, they are a shell of what they once were. But I just don't think that they're going to reach on a tackle if Slater and um, and Sewell are gone. They're going to go elsewhere and probably take a corner. No, unless they like love somebody. Uh, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like the offensive line is super fragile. They have to start thinking about it long term or else they're really going to be... Uh, in full rebuild mode in like two years on that offensive line, uh, 100%. I think wide receiver might be something to keep an eye on because they did lose some of their depth and it would be somebody that could enter the the fantasy conversation. So whichever wide receiver they add, I'm interested in Dallas. Uh, but yeah, that defense was one of the worst against the pass, one of the worst against the run. So they should be definitely focused on that side of the ball. A team, I think, really took care of that side of the ball this offseason were the Denver Broncos. And they have defensive head coach Nick Fangio, uh, Vic Fangio, did I call him Nick Fangio? Vic Fan- yeah, you um, did call him. Yeah. That's that's probably his younger son, Nick. Not Vic not Nick late. Fangio. Yeah, not late for dinner, Fangio. Uh, they just picked up also Teddy Bridgewater, and so they have Drew Lock, Teddy did. Bridgewater. Do you think, say, uh, like what quarterback could you see falling to nine, and what quarterback, uh, like, do you think they'd still take a quarterback if if one was to fall? Um, yeah, I think they definitely would still take a quarterback. I actually have Justin Fields falling there in my mock, which, um, yeah, him falling to nine is just insane to me. Um, but that's just kind of the way I have it shaking out. Um, because like they have a lot of young pieces and I don't, I don't think they're thinking that Teddy Bridgewater, who they just acquired for a swap of six round picks, I believe is going to be their future or anything like that. I think if anything, weird trade. I think I think if anything, Teddy Bridgewater is them conceding that they're going to be quarterback. They're really going to want a quarterback at that ninth pick because I think Drew Locke is a sketchy ass backup for a rookie quarterback, whereas Teddy Bridgewater Mm. is a much more stable guy. And I think like if they don't get that quarterback at nine, I think Teddy Bridgewater definitely limits the ceiling on what these patch catchers could do, because I think Drew Locke would probably open it up more. But like are they really going to hit that ceiling with drew lock as the quarterback? I don't really think and they are. So I think I Teddy think might a be a better game. option over drew lock. I think um, at face value, it seems like drew Locke's going to put the ball up a lot more, but I think Teddy is just going to be more efficient with the passing that he gets. And he's a guy who is would, would insulate a young quarterback pretty well because he's done it before. Yeah. I think that's a good point about Teddy being a much better backup for a rookie quarterback than uh, drew lock 100%. And he, he has familiarity with this system uh, from him in uh, like, I think him and Pat Shermer were in Minnesota together. I'm pretty I sure. I think so too. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I think the Broncos, like we've talked about it, that, that GM George Patton was brought in with like that specific mandate uh, to go get a quarterback. They're in on Matt Stafford and they've really, uh, They've, they've been hung out to dry pretty much in the quarterback market, but they find themselves in an interesting spot where if a fifth quarterback was to fall, it probably does fall down to that ninth spot where they have an, an ability to take that quarterback. So I, I have Trey Lance going there in my, uh, in my I, st- 
I still think though, if I'm John Elway and I'm sitting there like ready to uh, ready to stay at nine and pray there's a quarterback that falls there, my butt would be a little bit puckered. I'll be honest. One hundred percent. I think that's that was at least my opinion of why they went out and got Teddy Bridgewater. Like it was always a foregone conclusion that Teddy was going to Denver. It's just a matter of how much salary uh, 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 Carolina was willing to retain there. But yeah, I just think. Uh, and I, I think it's interesting because you can almost go like, I know Trey Lance is so destined to sit near one, which I think is, you know, if he goes in the top 10, that would make him an outlier in terms of top 10 quarterbacks yeah. in the past decade. So I would actually operate under the assumption that, yeah, he doesn't start, but he could very well start during the season. And uh, yeah, I just think it's important to know that for these, this wide array of weapons who we have, uh, quite the affinity for a few of them uh in denver whether it's no fan jerry judy court and sudden kj handler we like a lot of these guys a okay no erases (laughs) and i think it's just important to note that we have to temper our expectations a little bit because uh a mid-season quarterback change is probably going to going to happen in denver but long term i think this could be the solution because uh like, I just think the quarterback, they're a quarterback away from being that potent passing game. We all say that for Denver. Uh, and maybe Trey Lance is the guy, maybe he hits the ceiling. Yeah, well, and we've seen those guys who, you know, that guy's going to sit for a while because he's raw and played in, uh, you know, not FBS school. We've seen those guys come in and do it. Like, Carson Wentz had some success early in his career, obviously, from the same school. Um, you know, Josh Allen, he was kind of one of those guys who supposedly needed a bunch of development. Steve McNair. And- look at this motherfucker right now. So um, yeah, Steve McNair is another good one. Um, I went, I think he was at Alcorn state for Steve I have McNair. No idea. No? Yeah. I'm going to, I gonna... know he used to throw balls with no stitching on it and stuff. They used to all, he could throw it 80 yards from his knees and all that. That's he was a trick shot. Man. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, speaking of trick shotters, what do you think Detroit does? Because I think this is one <laughs> of the more interesting spots in the draft at number seven overall. I think uh, I think I mocked Kadarius Tony to them in the second round. So they have needs. Uh, a lot of people have wide receiver in the first round. A lot of people are confused as to whether they're in on quarterback or not after the Jared Goff trade. Um, so what do you what are you thinking about Detroit when it comes to some of the the bigger the bigger questions from a fantasy lens going forward? Totally. Yeah. So I, I have them going with Jalen Waddle at seven. He's the, the guy that I have at seven. I think they're going to be enamored by his skill set. Um, they added outside guys in Brashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams, who have some speed to take the top off the defense. So I think adding a, a Jalen Waddle to work out of the slot would be kind of nice um, because I do think that them getting Jared Goff in the deal for Matthew Stafford takes them off quarterback for me. Um I mean, I could see it maybe like I have Justin Fields falling there and, and, I, and I know they do like Justin Fields, but I just think they can push that need down the road a little bit because it's not like they're going to be, you know, in the late 20s in the next couple of years when they're drafting, they're going to be picking high in the next couple of years. Um, and Jared Goff has put up, you know, numbers that keep an offense afloat. Um, and Brad so I Holmes, think, the GM knows him too. Like he's the, the sure. reason that Rams drafted him apparently. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you see uh, the the knee nibbler, Dan Campbell, in his press conferences, I think that guy thinks that he can do anything. So he probably thinks he can make Jared Goff a relevant quarterback in in the NFL and, and keep that offense afloat. Um, so I uh, I just think they're going to go wide receiver and and neglect the, the quarterback position for now. Um, 
And then if they go Jalen Waddle in the first round, get that wide receiver to add to Jared Goff, they can wipe that need off of their plates as they move into their next picks because five of their six picks fall in the top 115. So after the seventh pick, they have a uh, they have four more picks in the next 107 picks for a little bit of quick mental math there. Um, so I think they can focus on other needs on this team because there are a plethora with those other four picks in that top 115 if they take Waddle at seven. And I hinted uh, general manager Brad Holmes is formerly of the Rams uh, and they're famous for trading out of the first round. So I think uh, trading back, I, I just think this is a really likely situation where they trade back. We know this mm-hmm. regime is doing the slow build. Uh, you know, everything antithetical that we've seen transpire in Detroit uh, is really commendable. Like, I just think we're entering a new era in Detroit where there's not going to sure, be man. ownership in the pot. Like, there's just a lot of things that I think we're going to see that we didn't see before. Uh, but I definitely think it remains to be seen whether Jared Goff was forced on them because of the contract or not. And I don't think they would let Justin Fields get past them personally. Um, but I do think if there's two quarterbacks on the board, their their pick becomes a lot more valuable. And this is definitely where I could see somebody trading up uh, to get to because of some of the things we talked about with Cincinnati and Miami might only find exactly. a trade partner with New England. Like if Miami at six wants to trade, the only team who might be willing to move up is uh, New England. But are they willing to give the team who just, uh, you know, face wash them with a salad full of chewing tobacco for the last 20 years straight? <laughs> are they going to give a, give that team a quarterback? I probably Well, wouldn't. and I think they're just, I think the Dolphins are just going to be resigned to the fact that they're enamored enough with Sewell or Chase as being franchise changers at their respective positions that moving back might not necessarily be something that they want to do um, anymore since they've already moved back from three. So um, that's what, they no, I, uh... <laughs> like, that's what they must. We're going gonna to get there, Ty. We're going to get there. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, <laughs> uh, any, anything else on the Detroit lions? No, I wouldn't mind if you ran the Packers though, really quick. Cause I actually have to go to little boys room really quick. Sorry. Yeah, no, totally, man. How about her? Um, so uh, obviously the Packers uh, are coming off of that NFC title game loss. Uh, they have a lot of picks actually with two fourth rounders, two fifth rounders and two sixth rounders um, to go along, obviously, with the uh, the one, two and the three that they've got. Um currently um or actually so if you look at last year's draft they whiffed hard with jordan love aj dylan and uh, josiah deguara in the top three rounds um i think obviously the the biggest question is will green bay bypass the wide receiver position again this year um and in looking at my mock draft i don't think they will because i have them going Kadarius tony with the 29th overall pick i just think that um, how close they were last year. They're not going to mess around with uh, with Aaron Rodgers and uh, and his window that um, looks wide open still, actually. Um, they don't want to mess around with that. They obviously showed they want to maximize that window by bringing back Aaron Jones, who is an Aaron Rodgers favorite. Um, so I think them adding another wide receiver to that room is paramount for them, A, keeping a quarterback who is easily disgruntled happy, and B, you know, allowing that offense to continue to evolve and get them over that hump of the uh, of the 
the NFC title loss and get them back to another Super Bowl. So I think they're going to add a wide receiver in the first round. Um, and then they can, much like I was saying, the Lions can wipe wide receiver off of their needs list if they go with Waddle at seven. I think that first round pick of Kadarius Tony wipes that need off of your plate because I think um, MVS and Lazard can be nice depth behind somebody else taking on that number two role, as well as Robert Tonyan maybe having a little bit of uh, um, a little bit. Uh, making himself more of a mainstay in the offense. Obviously he was great last year. Um, there's questions about whether he's going to do that again and get that volume. And I think with a second wide receiver, he maybe doesn't get that volume, but I think with his touchdown upside, he could give us a top 12 season anyway. Um, so that's kind of how I see it shaking out. And I think uh, further to that, on the offense, at least, they would probably be looking to add um, offensive linemen. Um, they've had, I think they've had a couple of guys being, like Bakhtiari's been hurt, obviously, quite a bit. Um, and I think they lost a couple guys in free agency as well. So uh, offensive line is a position they're going to target. And then I think they just go defense. They've got some good corners. I think it's a possibility that they add, um, say, another corner to that crew to make the back end look really, really nice. Um, so uh, that's kind of what I think the Packers are going to do. Um, they, they're right there, man. They are right there. And if they can add that other wide receiver, I think, um, it just makes defenses have to plan a little bit differently aside from just, you know, Aaron Jones, Devonte Adams, and then Robert Tunyon in the red zone, they would have to, especially if it's Tony being a guy who can move, move around a little bit and, and give you a bunch of that after the catch stuff. I think if he's moving a little bit and if Devonte Adams, who goes into the slot quite a bit as well, like those guys could be really dynamic because defenses obviously have to know where Devonte Adams is on the field. And then if they have to worry about where a second guy is on the field on top of Aaron Jones, um, I think that is uh, that's dynamite for this, uh, for this offense. So um, that's kind of what I see the green Bay Packers doing. I could see actually an Avenue where they trade up as well. Uh, we were talking about the Cleveland Browns and their potential to maybe move back and collect a little bit more draft capital. Um, I think if a team's going to jump into that spot, the Browns are going to stay in the first round. I think Green Bay could be a really interesting team to do that because sure, they would only be moving up three spots. Um, but I think if the Packers can get in front of Baltimore and in front of New Orleans in that first round, they can really guarantee themselves to get the wide receiver that they want there. Whereas um, there is a distinct possibility that Baltimore and New Orleans, although I don't have that in my mock, I think there is a possibility that 27 and 28 with Baltimore and New Orleans could be wide receiver. So <clears throat> Green Bay uh, moving up a couple spots to that Cleveland pick who we talked about moving back, I think is potentially uh, a possibility if they want to make sure they net that guy that can take this offense to the next level. Um, Ty, so I've, I, been ram I've been rambling for five minutes on the Packers. Do you want to polish off your thoughts on what they do? I just want to know who you took for uh, wide receiver. I got, I got Kadarius Tony going there. I got Tony so, there. So in the second round, I have Green Bay taking Tylon. Oh, in the third round, I have Tylon Wallace going to Green Bay. Really? You think he goes back to the third round? I'm not sure if he makes it back to I think third Tylon round. I think go in the fourth or fifth round, to be completely honest. Really? I think he's like a... Those are a big deal to people. Yeah, for sure. I think he's a pretty unique profile for this draft class, though. You know, I think like he's one of the yeah. only guys that has that profile that he has. And so I could see that pushing him up, but I, I definitely see that medicals thing. And uh, that's that's a little bit sketch for sure. So um, I think he would be nice if healthy on that team. If you add him to Devontae Adams, um, what do you I have them have, doing uh, in the first? I have Green Bay going corner like and I, I really I talked a I have little a pretty, bit about that too. Yeah, I have a pretty strong take on that just because uh 
Like, I don't know, because I, I agree that they'll be taking like a Kadarius Tony or Rondell Moore as opposed to a Terrence Marshall. Like, I agree that's yeah. the profile of wide receiver they'd be after. Um, and I think like they could even go Christian Barmore here, who I think should be a first round pick. And uh, I don't know where he goes, but he'd compliment uh, Kenny Clark inside pretty good because mm-hmm. um, they were a bottom five run defense. Like, I think a lot of my question comes down to what is this new defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, going to do with this defense? Because you know, Mike Pettin, their terrible run defense was a little bit by design. So, you know, one thing Joe Barry is known for coming from the Rams is obviously the strength of that back end and playing a ton of dime. Uh, that is what the Rams are known for is few yeah. linebackers, lots of DBs. So if we expect more DBs on the field in Green Bay, fewer linebackers, I think quarter makes a ton of sense. Asante Samuel Jr. is who I went with, uh, who a lot of people love. Uh, I loved his dad. I'm sure you did as an Eagles. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so Green, with this pick, I think Green Bay, they upgrade on the outside over Kevin King and Josh Johnson. Uh, so now they would have Jair Alexander, Asante Samuel on the outside. They would have Chandon Sullivan in the slot, manning the slot. And, you know, Joe Barry has the adequate depth to play like 25% nickel if they want. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I just think they, they can highlight the strength of their their uh, their coverage, right? And that could allow Green Bay to just rush four because they rushed four over 70% of the time last year, uh, a top 10 number in the league. And Green Bay was also top 10 in sacks last year, but bottom 10 in pressure. So I think improving the secondary would allow to compensate for what is a pass rush that could... Uh, easily be due for some regression next year like i think they could experience regression if you just go by yeah. the math like yeah absolutely yeah they had an awesome year in that regard last season and um i think they need that defense to to do well for them to make that push that they want um so they owe I, rogers I, I, though. yeah true that totally that's what i was saying too is like don't this is a very easily agitated quarterback um and i don't think you want but i kind of like him agitated for the record i kind of like i do too but i mean you showed that you want to maximize that window by bringing back aaron jones on a multi-year deal who aaron Rodgers loves um so i think you know just maximize the fucking window and get him a wide receiver that he can use um and put mvs and lazard in their rightful place on a wide receiver depth chart to not have to be guys that were rely or super relied on so um ty really quick before we get into and fly through the houston texans i just want to give a big shout out to the fantasy points media group i mentioned it off the top of the show and anybody watching can see it in the uh, little bottom ticker there uh, we are a part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, and we're super, super thankful for it. Um, that's a group of smaller podcasts that are um, uh, banding together, let's just say, as the media group um, to uh, promote the product over at FantasyPoints.com. And, 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 you know, in turn, they're um, getting us a little bit of, ex- get a bit of exposure. And um, definitely, I've been picking Ben's brain on a bunch of stuff and, and really appreciate uh, his support and, and the team's support over at uh, at fantasy points. So um, just some Cole's notes on what they offer. There is the sharpest minds in the industry. We've had Scott Barrett and Graham Barfield on the pod recently. And just listening, like it's when you're trying to, when you're trying to host a podcast and you're listening to these guys go off on all the amazing information that they get out, it's kind of hard to remember that you're hosting a podcast ty i don't know if you get that when they're on but um it's definitely easy to just get lost in soaking up the content so um obviously the sharp minds that they've got over there they have some of the industry leading tools um they put a focus on some of their dfs tools which are really incredible as far as lineup optimizer um they got a bunch of like advanced stats and stuff like that west huber um, and scott both 
nominated for DFS Writer of the Year. Exactly. So, um, and then on top of that, they just came out with an NFL draft guide, which comes in app format, which is fantastic. And the the big feature on that is, um, I think it's like triple digits worth of player profiles from the incomparable Greg Cosell. So um, it's just like a one-stop shop for all sorts of content. And um, since we linked up with them, we've been diving deeper into their operation and kind of what they do and all the content they provide. And uh, I keep turning over new stones, Ty, and finding cool new stuff on the site. So if anyone wants to go sign up, the promo code to get you 10% off is 21TrueNorth10. That True North is capitalized. Um, and you'll get 10% off. And that includes the Draft Guide app, which is only 25 bucks. So that's good as is. Um, and so on top of what's already a good deal, get yourself 10, 10% more off using our promo code 21 true North 10. So thanks to the fantasy points media group, really appreciate that partnership. And it's been really cool to, uh, to be able to, um, connect with the people on that team. So, um, and if, uh, if people are doing these mock drafts along with us and you're disagreeing or agreeing with some of the picks that we've selected, get in there on fantasy points. They're doing this contest right now that you guess all the mock draft picks and, uh, yeah, it's another contest that they've rolled out uh, and it's a gas and everyone should be getting in on that. I'm not sure if we're allowed to, but uh, we are. It's, uh, yeah. he's, ben said that we are allowed to enter. Um, I believe it's just for bragging rights, though, because one of the one of the prizes is uh, a fantasy point subscription. So um, and I think, you know, if I was and playing I, and I won, I would want one of the viewers or listeners to have that subscription as well. And I was going to say, I'm good. sure I could uh, sweet talk them where I could uh, I could really make the best of that situation by absolutely crushing the field in this mock draft contest and also being able to give uh, a subscription away to a listener. So, Travis. What about the Houston Texans who've been giving everything away to everybody over the last few years in the Bill O'B era? Now we are in the uh, Nick Casario era. Um, it's been a death by a thousand paper cuts and additions there. Uh, it's just a bizarre strategy they've implemented. Uh, Tyrod and Ryan Finley, I will say, is probably the easiest way to be worse than the Detroit Lions in 2021. Because I really think that Houston and Detroit are the pretty easy tank nation teams. This is all pending Deshaun Watson fallout. Yeah, so whatever the hell happens there. Well, I think it's it's looking more and more bleak as the day comes in. And I'll tell you what, they have just one top 100 pick in this draft. They pick at 67 in the third round. If that pick is David Sills, then I think we have our answer. But, uh, you know, what, what do you think they do? Do you think there's a chance they could go quarterback? Do you think it would be wide receiver? Or should they probably attack what is easily the worst defense in all of football? Yeah, I think they've got to attack the defense. Like you, you need that third. Well, I don't know, right? Because they they probably know that they're not going to win. So why not maybe get an offensive piece that might entice Deshaun Watson to not want to leave? But what are you well, getting in the third round? There. Like what I, are you getting I, in the third round though? And uh, yeah, I just had a thought because I think you you hit the nail on the head there. I think with teams like this, with the Rams uh, or, you know, more a team like Houston who doesn't have a lot of picks, but they are future looking still. um, We probably put an emphasis on high leverage positions like, you know, it's it's funny because quarterback is so up in the air. Left tackle might be the single position that they have locked in uh, on that roster for Houston. So, yeah, it's a really interesting conversation, but I did want to get that in there that. Sometimes with these teams, I focus more on high leverage positions. So maybe they double or triple dip on corner or something and just Mm -hmm. make sure they lock down that corner position. Totally. Um, I think that's good for the Texans tie. And I totally blew it on that fantasy points talk. I do want to mention that we have a contest going. What? 
it's <laughs> probably the uh <laughs> the best advertised contest you've ever seen ladies and gentlemen um it's uh basically sign up to fantasy points using our promo code um show us proof that you did so and do it by the end of the draft um so if you're watching this or if you um you know we'll go through the weekend and uh if you show us that you're entered into a draw to win some tnff swag so uh, you'll get a piece of true north merch if you do that and you uh and you are drawn out of a hat or whatever it may be. Um, so make sure you go sign up using that promo code 21 true north 10. Um, we are staying on brand for this episode tie with, uh, with how choppy that was. So uh, this is going fantastic. I'm, I know. Yeah, and we're through, we're through like 13 teams. <laughs> and you know, what's funny is I told like, this is just total sidebar and we're just getting off here, but uh, get phrasing. We're just getting off on a tangent here, not just, <laughs> Um, I was talking to I was talking to our buddy Mike Bauer from the Dynasty Rewind, and he absolutely loves that we go long. And I said, "Hey, Mikey, we might have a two-hour show for you tonight." And he said, "I want three hours, or I won't listen, Trav." And I said, "There is <laughs> there is a possibility that that happens, brother." Um, but I don't think you or I either of us want to go for a full three hours. I think we were ready to hunker down for two. So um, I could go for six. I could probably too tie, but I'm probably gonna have to rock a piss and um, smoke a bowl at some point in there. And I just, you I know, just I don't want to. I don't want to cut out for like 20 minutes to do that. You were only gone for like two minutes, so uh, you I'll do give you that. At the same time, that's the trick. Absolutely, I want to tr try and find a team that I don't want to talk about, so I can go and <laughs> smoke a bowl. Well, the Colts uh, are kinda, one that you might want to. As a, I do want to talk Eagles about fan. the Colts. That's why I'm staying. And then we got the 101 after with Jayville. Um, so and then the Chiefs, like fuck. Well, I think the Colts like, are pretty quick, unless yeah. you wanted, because we should probably try and stay away from all the uh, Eagles connections, right? But uh, yeah. I think they might crop up here because the left tackle is probably one of the bigger needs of any team in the entire draft. The Colts need a left tackle. Um, and I just think them not landing Orlando Brown just screams at how much value uh, the Ravens were able to get for that pick, uh, for that player. So I have Samuel Cosme going to them, which is just, it looks like a really big reach. Uh, he's a tackle out of Texas, but I have a lot of reports that I'm reading that they really like this kid. I've so yeah. And my other, you know, maybe they add an edge rusher too with like Gregory Rousseau or somebody uh, because they lost Amico Atre. Justin Houston, I think still on the market, if I'm not mistaken, uh, but yeah. he's gone as well. So they lost their edge rushers. They need, they their interior is very stocked. Uh, so yeah, I think it'd be like, Russo over Aziz if they go on the edge because they need that true edge rusher. But uh, mm -hmm. I'm kind of, I, I kind of think they Aziz, are. I have Aziz going there. <laughs> oh, it's <do> funny. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> so it's pretty rude, Ty, actually. And I actually, in my first iteration, I had Cosme going there. So I might go back to the well and have a look at what tackles. I just think it's a weird spot for them to get a tackle. You know what I mean? Like Cosme would be probably one of the next in line. But then you got like Jalen Mayfield. You got uh, Dylan Radunz, I think is how his. Raddins. Um I love Radins. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got Tevin Jenkins going two picks ahead of them. Um, but Me if you too. look at them at 21, like they're in a bit of a shit spot to to move up because they don't have a whole bunch of capital in this draft. They don't have a third, they and have that second. They're not gonna want to trade their first next year, I don't think. So and we saw them uh we saw them move up for like trade their first round pick for DeForest but Buckner last year. So I can't and think that first round pick could be the Eagles if Carson Wentz plays seventy five percent of the snap snaps or seventy percent and gets them to the playoffs. So That's they might right. not even have a first round pick to move up with. So I wonder how that works if they were to like, 
they can't try trade and, the pick right they now. can't trade that pick right now it's yeah, a conditional first rounder that's, that's why right. they call it like a conditional first yeah 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 so um, they can't do it <laughs> so yeah so you think trask off the board for them uh no <laughs> i don't think that's gonna happen bud <laughs> Yeah, I think they're in a funny spot. I think also wide receiver is a position for fantasy that I'd be, uh, you know, interested in seeing. For them. Yeah, me too. Yeah, And I, I think it's interesting. Like, are you trying to replace T.Y. Hilton long-term? I think in any mock draft scenario you do, they get robbed of Rondell Moore just a few picks before them, who would be a great hometown dude. guy. Yeah, hundred so percent. That one's going like, to be heartbreaking right. for Colt fans. Just prepare for that one. Sorry, J.D. <laughs> Um, what about like a Diami in the fourth round? I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, if he like, if he falls that far, for sure. Yeah, yeah. We've seen Carson Wentz be a good deep passer before, so I even like I'm not even like fully out on Ty Hilton for fuck's sakes. I think no, like, either. But I think give uh, us a sneaky little one this year. But I think they are going to want to start transitioning into the youth movement for sure. And you mentioning fourth round, like that's what we should say is I think it's really locked in that they go edge and left tackle in round one and two, yeah. whatever order that may be. Um, because I imagine in your mock draft, you would have uh, the Colts taking a tackle in the, in the second round, which they're in abundance uh, in that yeah, range. For sure. Absolutely. Um, okay, Ty. So uh, anything else on the, on the Colts or, or do we want to get into the Jaguars? They are about as tight and needy as our next team. Yes. <laughs> yeah so, so uh an eye the, on those. <laughs> um so the jags they got they obviously got the 101 trevor lawrence is looking like the lock um they have 10 picks in the draft overall so they got a lot of capital like urban meyer came in with an arsenal at his disposal for sure um so it's a new era in jacksonville um and when we're talking about new era i'm a big 5950 guy as far as my style of new era um, so will, if you're listening 5950s, if we could get those new era hats on the Viridian site, would really appreciate that, bud. Um, that's just an inside joke because I always bug him about getting them and he says, we're not getting them. So mm-hmm. <laughs> just taking a pot shot at will when he's not here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious though, Ty, we obviously like, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence at one. Do you think they're going to go heavy on defense after that, which is what it looks like their needs would imply. Or do you think like a lot of people say that they're going to start, they're going to stack at wide receiver. Do you think they maybe go there with some of their, their other picks? Uh, what, what do you think's happened in Jayville? Well, what I, the other one I've seen a couple of times is uh, um, what's his name? Like, you know, Urban Meyer adds uh, like, can he contain himself? Cause he adds Trevor Lawrence at one, you know, why not add his running back Travis ATN uh, at 25 overall. If he's there, I think that's one that would be on my board. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think they do that though. I, th- I think yeah, I have Greg weird. Newsom. I took a corner with them, which is a little off the beaten path. A lot of people would take edge defender with Jacksonville with their second pick. That's a really common one. Um, I think a left tackle, like looking at locking up a left tackle of the future with Cam Robinson on the tag, Trevor Lawrence is pretty important to keep protected Mm -hmm. uh, looking forward. And we know left tackle is a little bit of an incubation period anyway. So I think that wouldn't make a lot of sense. By the way, Travis Etienne, I would cry so hard. I'd just be purging the internet of all my James Robinson takes. Pouring one out for James Robinson, man. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have Um, Jacksonville going with Elijah Vera Tucker at, uh, at oh wow yeah that would be nice yeah Um, yeah and see that might be a little bit late for him now that i think about it though well the one thing i don't get is uh like do people think elijah vera tucker is a left tackle no i think i don't yeah i think of him as a guard guard. yeah Yeah. okay um and yeah so i think like aziz away a couple edge rushers that i think i could see going there um and and i just think corner makes a lot of sense because they're gonna kind of i'm 
taking the approach that they're building this defense from the backup, I guess I'll say. That was their success. Their, when they were successful and going, went to that AFC title game, it was that secondary that drove that entire bus. And CJ Henderson, if you just add to him, um, I think that'd be really nice to, to toss a Greg Newsom onto that. So, And I don't I, I have... Like and I don't have a great answer. If people are asking, like, why would they avoid edge rusher here? I don't have a good answer for you. I don't really know why I went corner over edge rusher. I just think, uh, like, I think they're, I think Josh Allen was better than people would have expected. Uh, well, that's like, what I think, too. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I can never remember that guy's first name, but Chase on uh, their first round pick last uh, year. Um, Clavon Chase. Yeah. On. Yeah. That's yeah. it. KLJ. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they're expecting a sophomore step from him as well. Uh, because on paper, it looks like they don't have uh, a player who had more than three sacks last year. Because uh, I think the only guy who did was Fred Smoot. <laughs> well, yeah. But, and I uh, think like, uh, I think Josh Allen, uh, the defensive end, Josh Allen uh, needed some more time to polish his game as a true edge rusher. Right. Because he's a, like, he's a pretty tall, lanky guy um, mm-hmm. to be a down edge rusher. Um, so I think with him ascending and obviously chase on, I don't think edge is like, as huge a need compared to some of the other ones. So I think there's reasons for them not yeah. to go edge with that first round pick. And it's because they have a lot of need, like Mo rig at safety. They have a lot of needs. I like that. You went uh guard there. Like I, I think guard and center possibilities. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's a ton of ways they could go with that. Pick. Yeah. Totally man. Um, Kansas city is somebody who traded out of the first round. So now they just pick uh, twice at the back of that second round wide receiver is really uh, the buzzy kind of uh position in real life and in fantasy so uh why don't you give me your take on whether you think they do land a a wide receiver in one of those first two picks even in the third round maybe uh and how would you value that guy in fantasy that'd be a tricky one to value man because like i would probably be inclined to give him the value that i had on nico hartman going into last year uh but that didn't pan out necessarily and they've had a tendency to kind of platoon that second wide receiver spot, even though, you know, say what you want about Sammy Watkins. He's got some talent um, at that. And they gave it the whole college try to get him productive, man. Like, but they still continued to rotate guys in with Robinson Pringle, Miko, you know? So um, I think and they Robinson's probably will. Back, you know, Robinson's yeah. back. Pringle's back. And who's it going to be too, right? So if you're looking at that 58th pick, like that's late in the second round, 63rd pick is late in the second round. Um, So they're going to be really limiting their options if they don't say move up. So I'm very curious. I think it's going to be one of those guys, maybe the third round pick, but uh, that's who should take Tylon Wallace is Kansas city. That'd be pretty dope because he's definitely a lot different than what Tyree Hill brings to the table. Um, so and that's what I wonder, like yeah. what profile of wide receiver are they? Yeah. What do they covet right now? Because I think like an Amon Ross St. Brown would just be so perfect because he can do whatever you ask him to That'd do. That'd be really cool. We haven't they seen need, anyone like him in there. Well, with Sammy going out, you need that. Like people had a warped perception of Sammy Watkins in Kansas City. Like the guy was a straight up possession wide receiver on third down. Like that's basically what he was. Mm-hmm. Um, he was used entirely differently than how he was in Buffalo and in Los Angeles for that matter. Uh, when he had a cup of coffee with the Rams. So I think they kind of need that possession guy. Uh, and at least it wouldn't hurt for, for, for Mahomes to have that extra guy that isn't Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I think they just, they need to get a third weapon. That is um, somebody that strikes fear into a defense a little bit more. Right. I, uh, the dream's not fully dead for me, Cole, for me though. I'm still going to hold on by a little thread and that's probably just because I have so many goddamn shares. 
any chance they had a wide uh, running back late that uh, peaks interest just because uh, no. Daryl Williams, you got CEH, you got Daryl Williams and uh, Elijah McGuire and Darwin. No, I think they'd be more likely to get that veteran scrap heap guy late in free agency like they've been doing the last couple of years. I think that's going to be the avenue that they go. And I do expect them to add somebody to that room, but I don't think it's going to be with any other draft capital just because um, I think you mentioned it earlier for one of the other teams. They're, they're going to be looking for a high leverage position, being that they have um, kind of minimal for higher picks, right? They've got, uh, they've got the two twos, they've got a three, and they've got two fours and two fives, but are you really going to get got like a, a running back who's going to be significant in your running back room with a four and a five? Um, Ty, I will note that your running back hit rates would say no. Boom. You like that? You fucking <laughs> like that? Thank you. Yeah, it's a good point though. Like we talked about some of those running backs going around one and stuff and draft capital is a big one. Like if a running back, we're, we're trying to identify running backs who are going to go in the top three rounds of, uh, of mm-hmm. this draft for sure. And, uh, y- you know, maybe by the end of this, we can mention if we really see any going in that top three rounds or who we have, cause I did my top three rounds and I didn't have someone like Chuba Hubbard going, for example. Right. Um, but I did have people like Ramondre Stevenson, Trey Sermon, guys like that going. So, uh, right. So you hate Chuba Hubbard. Sweet. Pretty much. I do <laughs> yeah, right. like outside of the jets, like he needs to land in the jets or I hate him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Um, Ty, the Raiders are going to be the team for me that, uh, I duck out for a quick break, buddy. I'll be right back. Flow the Raiders. Sure. If you're done on the Raiders, just roll into the, into the chargers too, my men. Um, I'll be back shortly. Yep. So the Raiders, you know, there's a lot of ways they can go as well. And I kind of besmirched the Dallas Cowboys. I think I took a shot at the Houston Texans. Um, The Raiders are right up there for the worst defense I can think of. Uh, When you look at the roster heading into the draft, it's kind of surprising how filled out their depth chart is, Uh, you know, but what they don't have is any game changers or any difference makers uh, up uh, on that offense or defense really. And I think uh, Derek Carr coming off a career year is great and everything. I think that's probably a byproduct of the highest scoring season in NFL history, but nevertheless, uh, you know, there's a lot of ways they could go with this pick. I mean, the Raiders pick at 17, they need offensive linemen uh, after they eviscerated their offensive line and uh, brought some guys back, brought others in, but they definitely like looking a year or two down the line are in big trouble up front in the trenches cornerback is obviously a huge need one of the worst teams against the deep pass last year with the Raiders linebacker is a pretty big need uh quarterback is something that you hear whispers of them trading up uh for a quarterback that the Raiders might be in that conversation I really don't see that uh just because Derek Carr is coming off a career year and uh they had so many opportunities in this uh in this era to kind of address that and that's what I think is interesting is like this is a huge draft for the Raiders brass after they just let so they've left so much meat on the bone uh, in both free agency and the draft during this entertaining tenure of uh, Mayock and Gruden. Um, So at 17, they might have guys like Micah Parsons, like some of these athletic linebackers might be on the board. Uh, I think uh, cornerback is possible. If uh, one of them fall, Uh, I went with Jalen Phillips in my mock draft and edge rusher. And I just think, uh, you know, Las Vegas is really going to be honed in on the defense in this draft. I don't think there's any bones to make about it. Uh, moving into the Chargers, I think, are another story. They have a clear need at tackle. I think it's interesting to think if they could make a big upgrade at tackle, um, like they could be a top 10 offensive line. Let that sink in, Chargers fans. Um, uh, I don't know. They have a lot of needs because interior defensive line needs to be rebuilt a bit. Linebacker might be a need. How much faith do they have in Murray going into year two? Uh, 
I went with cornerback because the board got really lucky, but they also just released Casey Hayward, I believe. Uh, like that, I don't know if it just happened. That was like maybe a month ago now, but I went with JC Horn, uh, which I think is unlikely that he's there at 13. I believe his prop bet is 12 and a half uh, on DraftKings. So JC Horn, I mean, the Chargers took Christian Darisaw in my, in my mock or sorry, the Giants. Uh, so Christian Darisaw is somebody that I really could see uh, going to the Chargers, but I think uh, they wouldn't be able to pass up on JC Horn. Just think of the speed element that JC Horn brings think of the chiefs and the, and the chargers and some of the teams that they play. Uh, it almost makes too much sense there. The chargers, I think uh, will be able to get a tackle at 47 as well, or even with their early third round pick. Uh, and they also, they have uh, a second third round pick inside the top hundred as well. So there's two third round picks for the, for the chargers. And I think there's an interesting debate because a lot of mocks have them going with wide receiver, but I think tackle and corner are just such glaring needs to, you know, you have a defensive head coach coming in after that uh, underwhelming hire that the Chargers made after getting rid of Anthony Lynn, much to our uh, pleasure, but uh, not bringing in Brian Dable, Joe Brady. Any of those guys, uh, I think, would have been a better hire than uh, than what's-his-face uh, coming from the Rams' defense there. Um, speaking of the Rams, I want to go to them and maybe just hit them while Travis away as well because there's not a lot. Uh, to go through with the Rams. I don't really know where they're going to go with that first pick. They have no first round pick. Of course, they'll have no first round pick through 2023 because of the Jared Goff trade. And then because of the Jared Goff trade, Um, obviously drafting him in 2016 and then trading him to Detroit all with Brad Holmes, having had his fingerprints on it. Thanks a lot, Brad. Um, I actually want to pull up my mock here and see who I have going to uh, the Rams. Cause I, I think they really have a glaring need in that slot corner. Um, so did I not make a pick for them? Cause that's unfortunate. Uh, so what I would look at if I'm the Rams is a cornerback, probably, uh, that offensive line is something that I've been, uh, saying they should start rebuilding for a while now, but they haven't really done that. So I don't know what they're going to do there. Edge rusher is not as big of a need just because you have Aaron Donald there. We see the, the residual effects and the, the peripheral stats for other players playing alongside in that uh, front seven in for that Rams defense. But overall, I think they should be trying to build on that strength because I'm not sure there's a move on offense with no top pick in the 50, no pick in the top 55. Uh, I'm not sure there's a move the Rams could make uh, to make their offense uh, that much better in the short term. Whereas they can certainly build on that strength on defense after they lose some of their coaching staff on that side of the ball. You are flying, my man. I dig it. Well, feel free to circle back on the Chargers because I just kind of said that, you know, if they don't go wide receiver early, I'm just not sure how interested I am in them going wide receiver at all. I think we've talked about that a little bit, but I did mm. uh, I did take cornerback because of the way the board fell in this one. I think tackle is definitely on the board if Darisaw uh, was to be available. Do you think they can land uh, a Christian Darisaw at 13? That's exactly who I have them taking, Ty. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time just because I feel like you were in a flow and I, I'm going to keep this epi rolling. Um, but I think that's really the pick to insulate that uh, that franchise quarterback that they now have in Justin Herbert. I think their weapons are fine. Um, maybe, maybe like a little bit later wide receiver, but um, let me just check the draft capital, of course, here. They got decent capital, like a, a third round wide out maybe. Um, 
but it really depends because they already got a really good slot guy and that's kind of who profiles to be there for them in the third round potentially so um yeah and then the rams was a team that i i kind of just wanted to go a little bit quicker on i had a funny joke is that uh my money is on that second round pick being another running back or maybe another slot wide receiver (laughs) just because that's what the rams do um but yeah so I'm going to just hijack this B and run us right into Miami. If that's cool. And that's with you. why I wanted to take some time on Miami. Cause they're the, Look one of the this. more interesting teams for sure in the draft. We are a well-oiled machine, my man. Um, so I think Miami, we were talking on the phone the other night and we were saying that Miami is just laughing at everybody this off season because they've done a really nice job um, kind of maximizing um, all the resources that they have to continue to make the, what is a playoff roster in my opinion better um they added will fuller which i think is a great dynamic that they don't have on that offense i think the defense it lost a couple pieces but it should still be a strength um they've already moved around the top 10 they moved from three to six um or three to 12 to six um which is and, important uh it's an important designation because moving back up really uh Yes. It shows that they want want to draft somebody. Yeah, and that's like I was saying earlier, how they can see that at six, they're either going to be getting uh, franchise changer in Sewell or franchise changer in Jamar Chase. Um, and, and they're cool with being at that spot at six. And I think that's a really smart move on their part in kind of deciphering what's going to happen ahead of them in this draft. And I think um, it's a, like the April roller coaster is a majesty to behold like yeah you do one thing and then two weeks later it's a whole new landscape it feels like uh so good on mike greer's brother he's just crushing it (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah they've done a a really good job and so uh we already kind of talked a little bit about it ty i've got them taking jamar chase at six uh you've got them taking sewell i believe you said earlier um and then they also have that 18th pick so like do you think Obviously, it's going to be offense at the sixth I, pick. Do you think they go all in on offense or what? Well, I, I have Chase going to them as well. In my oh, mind. you do I, have Chase. Yeah, Sorry, I said I like, I, well, you know, there's still we still got hours. You know, I yeah, might absolutely. I might flip those picks. You know, I just think the problem is that this is a trade uh, scenario where uh, this pick could get traded, right? And I think uh, that's what I was saying. Like, it maybe they didn't anticipate that this pick would hold as much value as it does, um, but it possibly could. But there's obviously that scenario where, <clears throat> you know it might be them just moving back to eight or to nine to Denver or something. I think I could see that happening Um, because I don't think they're going to trade back with the Patriots. I really just don't, I don't see that happening. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be like, if you, if they go chase at six, like if we're going to operate under that assumption, you're wondering who they, who they should probably go with at 18 or who I have at 18. I think it's a really common pick and that's Tevin Jenkins just because he's a right tackle and, uh, and two is a lefty. So I think uh, it's almost too easy, but that's what I have at 18. Yeah. And I believe they just traded Eric flowers away to the Washington football team. And not, or was it, I think the person? only, I think the only reluctance uh, people have about them going tackle is that they spent first, second and fourth round picks on the line last year. And uh but it didn't work. Like they were 21st on PFF in uh, pass blocking. They were third worst in run blocking grade on PFF, which really surprised me because we know this team is trying to run the ball uh, mm-hmm. with Tua under center. Yeah, definitely. I've got uh, at 18, I've got them going with JOK, Ty. 
Um, you know, that uh, incredible athlete at linebacker on the defensive side of the ball. They lost Kyle Van Noy. He went back to um, to New England and obviously different players. Um, but I think the goal is to like, you know, be a, be a stalwart on the defense. And I think JOK could work his way into being that, um, especially with the tutelage of Brian Flores, right? Who just seemed like he had the bit of the Midas touch last year because everything he touched was was at least gold plated versus what we expected them to be. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I think it's, uh, it's good. Do you think the defense, like, um, do you think the defense is something that they need to add to? Do you think the defense is sets a change quite a bit losing a couple players? Um, or do you think Flores is going to kind of put the puzzle pieces together and, uh, and, you know, make it complete? You know, it's a, they're in a tough spot because I think outside of a stud up like they're they're pretty set, but they could use like that difference maker off the edge or in that interior defensive line. Uh, safety or slot corner might be like the missing piece on that back end. Uh, yeah, but I really I think th- they're going to be a top 10 defense in Xavier uh, Howard and Byron Jones heading into his second season in this system. Agreed. Like they're really set to blow. Byron Jones didn't have a great season. Xavier Howard had a great season. Uh, yeah. So if Byron Jones can raise his level of play, they're going to have two shutdown corners, and that's going to be really interesting uh, to watch them going against some of these guys. And I think they have needs on offense too. Like I'm not, I, I think they have a wide open draft ahead of them with a ton of yeah. freaking picks, right? And a lot of maneuverability inside the draft. So I think they should really, really be focused on the offensive line. I think they should add a tackle, a guard, and a center in this draft. I don't care how much capital they put into it last year. I don't care. Uh, how much faith they have in Isaiah Wilson or whatever. I I think they should be really honed in on that offensive line Uh, behind that. Then I'd start looking at like wide receiver and uh, you know, safety slot corner. And then that interior defensive line and edge tight end, I think is on the, on the, on the table too. I think running back is like one of the least needed positions there. (laughs) It's funny because the perception in like the community and with people has them taking Najee Harris at 18. What's uh, probably a majority of the time, which I just, it was Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Like, like we talked a lot about that this off season, Wes Huber really, uh, you know, there we've had people on who are plugged in. Uh, I I really don't think they're going running back in the first couple of rounds, even with all those picks. I don't, I don't think they need it either. And so um, I'm thinking, Hey, tie that uh, accidental auto pick in that best ball draft that we did that took miles Gaskin in the fifth round for me is starting to look a little bit better, buddy it's starting to look a little bit better. So um, I might get off scot-free on that little uh, auto draft fuck up there. <laughs> like, what do you, who do you think they'd be looking at for running back? If they, if they had a running back, I think like, you know, Najee in the first is it's a possibility just because it depends how, how much they love him as a prospect and what they think that, that he can bring to the table that Miles Gaskin doesn't. And I think he's definitely like tiers above Miles Gaskin as a talent. Um, but I think like if we're looking at the running backs don't matter movement, Miles Gaskin is a sufficient running back and he showed that last year that he can do it and he can do what they want him to do. Like they trusted him in the red zone. Um, they trusted you had some really good stats about the red zone work for him and even Salvan Ahmed, right? So and Jordan, um, they're all three of them were top ten in red zone touches last year. But you know, if I, I sorry I keep interrupting you. No, it's good. But, man. Uh, like Miles Gaskin, because you know I'm a huge Miles Gaskin fan. Mm-hmm. I've really made sure I don't I dive into this year, right? Going into the draft. And I'm not in take lock mode here. I recognize the shortcomings that he has. He was three for eight converting at the goal line inside the five. So maybe he's smaller, right? Like Miles Gaskin yeah. is a tweener back. That's the issue we have with him. Um, and that's why I think Najee Harris does make some sense, just not at 18. That's just crazy. Uh 
for, and I, yeah. I get that. Like I've said that Miami's been in this conversation in the past being mocked the first running back off the board. And I recognize that they're also in a better position to compete as a football team now, which is when you want to be adding in a running back. Um, I just think they can get a Trey Sermon and like pick 80 if they want yeah, to, or, or, no doubt. or even Stevenson. pick 50. You yeah. can pick 50. If they wanted to go Trey but Sermon I, at pick 50, I wouldn't even hate that, even though either. that seems a I little think bit 80 high. something is that money spot. Like I think yeah. we're gonna get a lot of position players pushed up into that second round. Uh, even wide receivers are gonna go before I think Trey Sermon. So I think you could see a Trey Sermon fall to like 80-ish, you know, right at the beginning of that third round. A Ramondre Steven uh Ramondre Stevenson will almost certainly be there. Um, he's and a he giant can do what, back. He can do what they probably brought in Jordan Howard exactly. to do last yeah. and year. And I think that's what they're looking I like for. That, I like that connection there because I think he'll be there for them at that pick. That's good. And he mm -hmm. brings something different than the other guys, right? Like Kenny Gainwell probably brings you what Miles Gaskin brings, you know, right? You know who I got Kenny Gainwell going to? Who's that? Two teams from now, the New England Patriots. Really? Yeah, See, I'm not, not that deep. Round. I'm not that deep into my mock. Like I'm not, I probably won't go that deep either. So, um, yeah, I, I could only speculate at where I might have them. I squeezed Diami um, into the third round. For, nice. Just for you. That just a guy. You. That a guy. I appreciate that. I really do. Where to? Uh, the Giants. I have the Giants. Really? Uh, yeah, sorry. sorry <laughs> just for Slayton. me, hey, Ty. Just for me. Yeah. <laughs> Diami, just for you to the fucking Giants. Oh, dude, I actually have quite a bit of Slayton. And uh, not, not a lot, but like uh, I have, 10 to 15% I like ownership in yeah. uh, baseball. I got some Slayton for show. Um do we want to move into Minnesota? Or you got some more on the Dolphins. No, I got, I was going to go into the Vikings there. Go for it. Sounds good, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, like this is an offense that is, you know, another, another target funnel. So I personally don't see them going too hard as far as pass catchers. Uh, they do have 10 picks to work with no second rounder. Mm -hmm. They've got the first rounder two thirds and four in the fourth round. So Miami's in a really, or oh, Minnesota's oh. in. Yeah. Foe, foe. <laughs> I was trying to think of a rap line there, but I came up blank, but that would have been a killer spot to just fucking draw. There's some something fire. from bitch please too. Came yeah. In the oh, hit him with yeah. The fo -fo. yeah. Hit him with the foe, foe. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a gap. You know, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> we were talking about Minnesota. Um, I think Minnesota I, needs a gunshot off the edge. I think that's uh, where I have them going in round one. Yeah. But a lot like of people I've have got, wide receiver uh, there, Trav. What do you think of getting Adam Thielen? You said you're not sort of on that. No, I don't like them going wide receiver at 14. I've got them going Caleb Farley at 14, actually. Um, just so uh, we know. My Ooh, I like it. Mike Zimmer likes TVs. Yeah. Um, Sully, Sully's, he didn't like it one bit, Trav. He doesn't like that play <laughs> one. Yeah, fuck Caleb Farley, dad. Um, no. <laughs> injury bro, injury bro. Yeah, totally. He's back so, in the uh, <laughs> The doctor hmm. says. Really quick, um, we've mentioned Caleb Farley about a five, ten times already tonight. He did contract COVID. He will not attend the NFL draft, just in case people miss that. Nice little tidbit just to, just to show Ty how, how plugged in you are. And I actually just want to take a minute now that I say that just to uh, toss a little appreciation your way because a lot of this content comes from all the digging and research that you do. So I can't take credit for for the even all the stuff that I'm putting out there. I appreciate uh, how prepped you have us for these pods. And I think that's going to spill over into our draft live stream. So just a little shout out to you for all the work you do on the show, buddy. No, I like uh, making the all-in-one stop for myself. And if I can share it with my good buddies, it's all the better.
Yeah. And while you like that, I know you um, hate awkward compliments on the live stream. So <laughs> I think if, if Minnesota is going to add anything for the offense, Ty, I think it might be to the offensive line, but not wide receiver. Yeah, definitely. They need um, to address the offensive line big time. Totally. And then aside from I that, I think and does Ezra, like, I think this is one where if you wanted to figure it out, you could probably dive in like a tick and figure it out. I just didn't like expel enough time to do it like is Ezra Cleveland going to move to left tackle like they need basically they can upgrade everywhere that Ezra Cleveland isn't and <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. want to know where Ezra Cleveland's playing yeah for sure for sure that, that'll yeah. determine the offensive line I think uh the edge like they have nothing man they're they, I think they were the worst team at generating pressure last year because they lost uh uh Everson Griffin to free agency and then they lost uh Danelle Hunter uh you know, a couple games in and Den mm -hmm. Danelle Hunter is reportedly very unhappy with his contract as well. So I think that's an interesting note. Uh, you know, he's only like 26 years old, I think. So they should, yeah. And he's been one of the best for a couple of yeah. years. Like that's a, a huge fan. You should, that's and a if guy you, you got to sign for show. I, I think like, uh, Minnesota, I came into this thinking they're going to be a really bad defense, but digging into them, I don't think they're going to be as bad as I thought. And, you know, you look at EPA allowed on defense and the Vikings just had this like massive drop from 2019 to 2020. Only the Patriots were worse. Um, so, yeah, I think this defense is going to be vastly improved. And I put Quiddy Page going there. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, Quiddy Pay. So fuck Quitty you, pay. pay me. You know, think, you know what uh, his name reminds me of? Do you remember when Paul Wall was big and how he had his buddy Cootie Bang that he always used to talk about? I feel I like Quiddy I remember Quitty Quitty Bay, I remember Paul Wall. Quiddy you Pay. The, no, because he always talks about Archie Lee and Kuda Bang is what Paul Wall always says. Really? Is and it part so, of Swisher House? Uh maybe. I don't know. I think I feel like Quiddy Pay is like the is like Cootie Bang's cousin. <laughs> I like it. I like it. He's definitely on the all-name team. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> Name's fucking Quiddy. Um hopefully he doesn't quitty on his NFL team though, because we want him to um, be one of those edge rushers. That's no, you want that. You want him to be so good that he goes into that second contract and says, fuck you, quitty pay me. <laughs> yeah. Fucking quitty pay me. <laughs> um, the new England Patriots Trav, Who do you have going to them at 15? Then uh, I'm very interested. Okay. This is a little bit of a hot takey pick actually, Ty. Oh, so um, is mine actually for the Patriots. A, a lot of a hot takey pick. I've got Mac Jones falling to them at 15 wow. time i actually we were talking uh we were talking on the phone and i was saying or like the other day and i was saying i got the patriots trading up to eight for carolina after or after the darnold uh move so the patriots move up to eight in order to go and get that quarterback and i had them taking um i think it was justin fields at eight um but i decided to take the trades out of it i didn't want to put trades in i wanted to just have the picks at face value because who am i to project trades i think um and i just was kind of adjusting that top 10 and i can see a world where that fifth quarterback falls and the next logical pick after you know denver at nine is new england at 15 so they could maybe move up into that back of the top 10 with like a dallas or a giants if they wanted to stop say washington from jumping over them because uh, washington's at uh, at 19 or chicago at 20 could potentially jump ahead of the patriots if one of those guys slips but i got mac jones slipping to them at 15 yeah i i saw gettleman i don't think gettleman's ever traded out in his life and uh Someone asked him about it. And he's like, you think I'm tried trading back? He was so defensive. It was like <laughs> extremely suspicious. Like, no, I, I did. I thought you did before, but the way you answered it. Now, now I, I think know you, you didn't. Yeah. Now I don't think you ever have. 
Um, <laughs> it was so funny. I have Caleb Farley going there, which isn't such a hot take since you have him at 14, but uh, it might be weird that I have corner going there just because uh, like I select Caleb Farley because he could easily end up being the best corner in this draft. Right. And Stefan Gilmore, like he, there's a lot of rumors like that. He could be traded entering this off season. Uh, we haven't seen that happen, but he is entering uh, the final year of his contract. And I think uh, like, I just think Caleb Farley and JC Jackson would be a pretty stud duo going incredible. forward. Worst case, like that would be your worst case, right? And uh, like right now, you have Jonathan Jones in the slot. Um, I just think they need more depth on the back end after like they filled so many holes in free agency, also via returnees who opted out last mm-hmm. year. So this defense is getting better. And you know how few first round, like what I'm battling with is. New England gives out very few first round grades. That's like, they're famous for that. And they also famously take guys right off their board who might be first round picks on other guys' boards. Mm-hmm. Um, and Farley definitely lands in one of those categories for the Patriots. I just don't know which one he's definitely in one of them, either a first round grade or he's completely off their board. Uh, totally. But I, I kind of lean into him. Like he's the guy who needs the backyotomy and everything. Uh, but I, I just think, you know, you know how important the cornerback position is in New England. So uh, yeah. I, I just think if they lose them, they, and you know, Micah Parsons is a pretty commonly mocked guy here. I just don't get that pick either. Like I think uh corner's been mocked to New England, like under 10% of the time on uh, grinding the mocks. And uh I, I just think, you know, New England had seven plus defensive backs on the field last year, 54% of the time. That is oh insane. God. Seven plus defensive backs on the field more than half wow. the time. So I just seven plus. Yeah, that's it's insane by far the most. So I think uh, I think defensive back makes a lot of sense. Like maybe even in a trade back scenario, they take uh, that Moring kid. But uh, mm-hmm. I actually sure. have them uh, stealing uh, Grant De- uh, Grant. Uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, the other safety in uh, in the second round. Which mm, would be is, a it J- is it Javen Holland? No, but I. Uh, I like him. Uh, outspoken, socially, uh, social justice crusader. Uh, R- Richie Grant. Richie, Richie Grant. Grant. Thank Central you. Well, I actually Florida. think, yeah, and I think Richie Grant, like I watched the safeties back to back and I like them both. I just don't, uh, like, I, I think he could end up being a better safety than Morig. But I think Morig has the better stats. Like, you know what I mean? Like he forces incompletions like they're going out of style. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so any avenue, Ty, as we move off of the Patriots, any avenue for them to shock the world with the high round running back or, you know, continue game. adding at wide receiver? I got game all going in round right. three. Yep. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I think they, you know, James White re-signed there. So signing Gainwell along with him would be interesting. I don't think he signed a long deal, though. So I don't Gainwell even think he's like, yeah, and I think Gainwell is kind of like a new era Bill Belichick. Like he could do a little bit of what he did with James White, a little bit of what he did with Burkhead with Gainwell. Uh, because I think they might already have like James White's replacement could be JJ Taylor. Uh, you know, I'll be wrong on that at s- someday maybe, but, uh, until then I'm not wrong about that one. Yeah. You're still right. So, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't even necessarily, I think it's like more of a luxury pick. Uh, and you know, I think Bill just wants to, uh, like they're not going to have a ton of needs come third round on that defense, uh, unless they want to keep adding depth or, you know, go back on that offensive line. But yeah, Sony Michelle contract year. Uh, like basically, they have Damian Harris on the roster next year and JJ Taylor. Totally. And I think yeah, so. it would be a good lightning thunder with Gainwell and and Damian Harris going forward. For sure, I like that too. I really like that. So, um, should we should we get Moseyin into the Nolan Saints? All right, let's do it. So, um, 
I think, you know, I would say probably the first burning question for the Saints is is the quarterback position. Um, we haven't talked a, a bunch about what we think they're going to do in the draft, though. They pick at 28. Um, and it's funny because a lot of these teams have come up kind of naturally in conversation as we've been talking about players and teams, but the Saints haven't really come up a whole lot at 28. And um, I, well, I don't Kadari- know. I, yeah, and it's know. weird. Like maybe Kadarius Tony and stuff like Yeah. Yeah, but it, like I've got them going for Jalen Phillips on the edge um, to kind of restock the defensive line uh, because, <clears throat> yeah, well, and I think I think he would be a nice pick for them, and I think that's kind of where where I see them targeting is to to help out that defense. Um, who do you have them taking again at twenty eight? So I have them taking uh, I can't remember uh, a steal. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, linebacker uh, J O K. Uh, oh yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Obusu, that- uh, Cora Moa. I really got to learn that name. Yeah, we're going to fuck that one up a bunch more times before we get it right. (laughs) Edge, I think, is interesting. So if you go edge, you know, they lost Trey Hendrickson. And if they invest a first round pick, I think that might be a condemnation on Marcus Davenport. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, if they don't take an edge, I think it would be a boost of confidence in like their, you like them thinking he could have that ascension. Um, I think interior defensive line would be in play. Like Christian Barmore could be this pick easily just because uh, they lost Sheldon Rankins. They lost Malcolm yeah. Brown. Um, it would all but ensure like the Saints elite run defense that we've been accustomed to over the last couple of years continues going forward. The counterpoint there is they have the Canadian boy, uh, David Onyemata, an elite pass yeah. rushing interior defensive lineman. The Saints have always won with house money on the, on the inside anyways. Linebacker is another need, I think. And, uh, like if they landed JOK, I think it'd be perfect just because the, all they have right now is Zach Bond, uh, set to step up into a bigger role with the loss of, uh, Alex Anzalone and, uh, Quan Alexander. Like they lost both those guys. Mm-hmm. So he, Zach Bond kind of being transitioned to that linebacker spot. How does he play? Where does he play? How is that transition going? How is it going to go? I don't know. Um, the counterpoint there though, would be that the saints could play dime and like one third of their snaps. Like they play sure. so much dime, um, which requires just one linebacker on the field, AKA DeMario Davis. But if the saints plan to play in dime, uh, a league leading them out in 2021, they need more defensive backs. So I think that's yeah, something that call. is, uh, like cornerback was a huge casualty of the wall. The saints ran into, uh, when it comes to the cap this year, Hey Loomis, not, uh, not such a malleable cap now, is it, Mickey? Um, yeah, maybe you're not cap. so. Maybe you're not so fine, Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Was, that was right there for me. That yeah, was so good. I nailed that. I nailed that, um, Mickey. So yeah, I'm totally kidding. By the way, the cap will be a joke again next year. But yeah. uh, the Saints have just four corners on their entire roster. That's it. And I think uh, like Marshawn Lattimore has been an up and down prospect in himself. Uh, week to week, season to season, and Pat Robinson will be 34 years old starting this season. They have Grant Haley, uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, I think will be their slot corner. I think, maybe. yeah, he's kind of like a hybrid safety slot, yeah. So, sure. I like, I, I really don't know where they go with this pick, is my point. They have a lot of ways they could go, and it kind of keeps trickling back to that they need defensive backs to run the same defense they've been doing, so maybe corner is the play. Um, and I didn't mention safety or wide receiver, which are two of the, the, the positions that get mocked there quite frequently, like Mo rig or Kadarius Tony or whatever could, could also be this pick. Yeah. Well, wide receiver is really interesting because I think for me, like a lot of that's going to hinge on who the quarterback, like a lot of my interest in that wide receiver for fantasy is going to hinge on who the quarterback is. I think, because I think the only task to them, I think, yeah, do you think if they add a wide receiver in round one, that would be a signal that, you know, they're going to give Jameis more weapons to kind of open this passing game up. 
I don't know. It could also be a signal that they believe in Taysom Hill as a traditional quarterback with running upside too, right? So I don't know if that's... And imagine that run game with a Kadarius Tony Gadget kind of guy in motion and stuff. For sure, for sure. Even like, give me like a Rondale or something like that in there would be pretty slick. Um, But I just, yeah, I I like it with Jameis and I think Taysom Hill would, would just make me not want that second option even if they drafted somebody and you know, we love the Saints offense. We love, we love Alvin Kamara. We love, you know, what the quarterback position can, can produce, but it's not necessarily what it will produce because to me, signs are pointing to Taysom Hill probably getting the nod, like what he got last year, because I think if the hall of fame quarterback in Drew Brees wasn't coming back from an injury, they probably would have stuck it out with Taysom Hill because he was winning games. So, what uh speaking of winning games the giants weren't doing much of that do you think the giants go back in on the offensive line this year because they took andrew thomas at i think i had him as my tackle four uh and he went fourth overall last year and it really didn't work out actually he really struggled he gave up 57 pressures second most of any tackle 14 more than any other left tackle he allowed 10 sacks on the season the most in the nfl what are they going to do on that offensive line yeah, well, actually, I had a before before I started liking Rashawn Slater to to Carolina. I actually had Rashawn Slater uh, falling to the Giants at eleven um, with the big quarterback run in the first round. But obviously, I said I had Mac Jones falling, so uh, Rashawn Slater moved up to to the eighth pick, and I have the Giants going with Quiddy Pay actually. Um, and, and you know, I, I think they could definitely use the offensive tackle 100%. But I think picking at 11 when Rashawn Slater and Panay Sewell are off the board, Darisaw maybe. Darisaw could potentially go at 11 to them. That's who um, I have going there. Like, I know yeah. I'm really high on him. And uh, the problem is that if I don't go Darisaw, I would 100% put Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith in there. Um, out of those two <laughs> players, who do you think would be more likely to go to the Giants between Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith? Hmm. I, that's, that's an interesting question because I think they're both kind of profiled to be like that speed slot at the next level. Um, I'd probably put Devonte Smith there, but I, I also have Jalen Waddle going at seven to Detroit. Right. So, yeah. um, and I think Waddle does go before Devonte Smith and we see that reflected in, uh, in prop bets, uh, for sure. I was wondering, um, like, I, I just, I really think they need to go offensive line just because like, there's two major problems with this offense, the offensive line last year and Jason Garrett, Jason Garrett's yeah. still there. So, you know, fix that offensive line. And I think, uh, it, like Daniel Jones was pressured over 40% of the time last year. Like that was just insane. Yeah. There's a guy who's set to have a little bit of a bounce back season for our super flex rosters. Danny Dimes, Danny Dimes, especially with Kenny G coming in. If they were to add Devonte Smith in there, um, that's like a new ball game for Danny Dimes in my book, potentially. And, and this is coming from an Eagles fan. So um, keep an eye on that. Even like there's even like some second and third round wide receivers that, well, I guess they don't really have that much draft capital. Let me check here. Do they have that second rounder? They do have yeah, a second got, rounder. They pick up 42 and 76. 42. Like if they were to get like a Rondale or an Elijah or something like that, I don't know why I always come back to those guys, but I just well, remember I gave them nice Diami and I gave them Diami later. Third, yeah. So I do have them like, you know, attacking wide receiver. Um, but yeah, I just have them basically upgrading Slayton. So like how, how great is that 
making your team uh, when mm-hmm. you have Kenny Galladay slate and you have Sterling Shepard, you have these guys. Um, and Daniel Jones was good throwing deep last year with the guys sure. they had, like they didn't have and a great group last year. And those Slayton and doesn't have to be the one now either. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not fully out on Slayton Me either. Too. Nor am I. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a good buy low guy. Definitely a late best ball guy. I would say, Hey Ty. Yeah, absolutely. And you can get him in like the 15th round in best balls right now. And I think, uh, the question to ask with, with them is the one we asked, like, do you think it's Devonte Smith or Jalen Waddle? If, if, uh, if they go mm-hmm. wide receiver, because I think that makes a big difference. Like I just think Jalen Waddle would, uh, he would suit this offense a lot more, I think, or at least yeah, would no, improve totally. Daniel Jones uh, outlook. For sure. For sure. Um, what do you think the jets are going to do in the other, uh, in the other big apple here? Yeah. Well, they're an interesting team with all that draft capital. Obviously they've got two just really ones. Quick. Yeah. Go ahead. Just really quick. Like Zach Wilson is the guy you see. Yeah, at two totally. Overall. Yeah, totally. Zach Wilson at two overall. Um, That's just been like, that's just been out there for so long. It's just like, seems inevitable that it's going to happen now. What um, about that second first round? That pick? second first rounder. That's where it starts to get interesting because they also have a pick 11 picks later at 34 in the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they've got two third rounders as well. So I've got them mm-hmm. taking uh, Zaven Collins, linebacker. Ooh, me um, too, me too, me too. At, uh, at 23. Uh, I just think they could use to retool that. Like the CJ Mosley experiment definitely didn't work out for them. <laughs> well, so um, what? He's coming off a torn ACL and then he opted out last year. And then they're going to yeah. see him finally this year. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, and they so signed Jared not- Davis, like my least favorite player, who played more <laughs> special team snaps than he did regular snaps on defense oh for the God. Lions last year. That's gross. That is absolutely gross um but yeah so i think that they're gonna go zavin collins with that 23rd pick i think the 34th pick is wheelhouse for like a javante uh if they wanted to go that high on a running back do you think they want to go that high because you know one of our overarching overtones of the jets is that these are 49er like-minded human beings uh and we know one thing with the shanahan philosophy is that uh He's arrogant enough to take a Mac Jones at three uh, and that he is uh, waiting on running backs and getting, you know, getting, getting a lot out of these UDFA running. Backs. For sure. And so like, that's why I, you know, I think the third round picks might be more likely for a running back. Um, and I do have, uh, I believe Javante mocked to the Falcons right after the jets uh, because I think they're just going to go, go elsewhere. And those two third round picks like at a Chuba to to New York. I think that's one, that's the spot that you mentioned for him earlier. And I think that's a primo spot for Chuba. So like, you know, late third with the 86th pick, um, or even at one Oh seven, if he slips even further into the fourth round, which that's I where I'd like him. You yeah. said, you, yeah. Cause I so have I think, him, uh, taking Michael Carter in that third round you suggested. Right. So that's pretty solid as well. I like Michael Carter in that offense too, because I think LaFleur can probably maximize him and, and I, um, make the most of his speed and not make his size a detriment, you know? No, totally. And can be used out of the backfield and stuff uh, to keep the reins a little bit on Zach Wilson, like start yeah. him out with a little bit of reins. Cause that kid, that 13 year old's not going to last outside of the pocket <laughs> very long. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I really like that spot just because you see when you do mock drafts, it really feels like that, like 65 to 85 range, like those 20 picks is where we're going to see that second wave of running backs with uh, those three to five guys that we see going. In totally. Range. Okay, should we talk about him? Who? The Eagles? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So <laughs> you have corner or do you have wide receiver going there? I have corner. I have Pat Sertan. I'm not like, I I don't hate 
wide receiver, depending on who it is. Who do you have going there? I have Jalen Waddle falling to them. So I, you know, I that's that. who I like. That's yeah. who I would like. You know, I think Jalen. But the irony is, I would be receiver. Like I would go J.C. Horn or Caleb Farley. And actually, how he loves his injury discount corners. Like, let's go, let's go. <laughs> yeah, Sidney Jones, womp, womp, womp. And then <laughs> plays pretty decent in Jacksonville last year, like when he got a shot. Well, and it just um, it goes back to like what I was saying about the 2017 season. Like Eagles secondary was really stellar. And then, you know, we haven't talked about the endless Indianapolis to Philly carousel um, that we've gotten over the last couple of years. But the Colts defensive backs coach is now the new Eagles defensive coordinator. And a cornerback yeah. seems like a perfect uh, – housewarming gift but instead my mock draft reflects how i feel about howie and him just being like to hell with my coaching staff i'm going wide receiver fix darius slayer go to hell mm-hmm. yeah well i think like adding to darius slay would be so good for them because i think with the players that they have on the defensive line still they can be a good enough defensive line that if you add a good secondary behind them it'll be a sufficient defense and that defensive line is not going to be together for a whole lot longer because they're going to be tearing some more shit up in philadelphia so i think they really need to attack that defense because i think with their offense morphing like i think they they have the pieces on offense to morph into a bit run heavier team with Jalen hurts. And you got miles Sanders. They don't have a ton at wide receiver. They have uh, Jalen Rager. Um, obviously the, the cupboards are pretty bare. I think Fulgham should get another shot with what he did last year. And, and I think Ward's fine in the slot. Like totally, the slot. totally. They got, and Quez, so, they got Johnny Hightower. Like they have some depth. Yeah. Yeah. And like how many weapons do, does how we think that Jalen hurts is going to need when he's running the ball a bunch and when one of their best offensive players is miles Sanders. So um, I think they need to, I'm not sure that they're going to do that. Cause I don't trust Howie anymore either. Well, but that would I think be what the other point, right? Is yeah. Is like what kind of faith? Because the other thing is like, they haven't even traded Ertz yet, which means they can't get anything. For and they him. might not. Yeah. They and they might, might have to cut and just eat money Spot. on his contract or yeah. keep them. But if you keep them, are we going to see these heavy two tight end sets, the heavy tight end market share that's funneled through that position historically in, in Philly. And then, yeah, like the wide receiver depth chart. I don't, I think it's better than people make it out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it could just be a lot better if Howie wasn't stepping on his meat every other year. Like it's just, it's crazy. And uh <laughs> I, I like I just don't have faith in Howie being the guy who's going to take the 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 correct For wide sure, receiver. Man. How could you? And uh and then it just goes back to like they're going from this voluminous passing game under Carson Wentz to a very run heavy scheme under yeah. under Ertz and like doesn't that devalue the wide receiver position in general and you know and the other reason is wide receiver is deeper than corner this year. Like I think they can get a better wide receiver in round 2 than they can corner. Like you're asking the JC Horn Rondell Moore versus Dude, So true. Yeah, Jalen so Waddle or, or Kelvin Johnson or something. So it's a, it's a tough question but I definitely uh I think it's interesting. So I think uh Exactly. I made and the I have, pick I have just, Terrace Marshall going to them at the top the of the second, second round. Yeah, exactly. Which and is almost like beautiful. a profile of wide receiver that complements Jalen Rager's skill set and the guys who are there as well. Um, but I do agree that like Jalen Waddle might be the most special wide receiver in this draft. Uh, for sure. And for sure. you know, he'd be slick. He'd how be do slick. you pat? Yeah. So I, I liked mocking him there too. Cause that's how we going uh, round one wide receiver named Jalen back to back years to pair. I like it. Uh, to his quarterback named Jalen. And he, he made sure that it was different spellings. So nobody gets really confused. So, Hey, yeah. like maybe there's like silver lining of. I know we all whine about how he's doing. Yeah, we all whine about the Devontae spellings, but if they're all on the same team, we'd be pumped about that. 
<laughs> and and honestly like i have been historically a howie lover ty i think you can attest to that i used to fucking love me some howie when he was wheeling and dealing and putting a super bowl roster together but you gotta be water you gotta be water, I was man. On, yeah and you know the analytics a lot of talk about that i i liked him too when he came in i still kind of like the way he attacks things i just think he's making some horrible personnel decisions and uh wielding power in very inexplicable fashion when it comes to over Andy Reed under Chip Kelly and then running Doug Peterson. Out of the Anyways, well, let's the, go the tight, the tight rope game with the cap is starting to catch up to him a little too. bit too. Yes. So um, yeah, and let's move, injury move prone, like I, hopefully they avoid some injury prone players in this draft. We'll see if that trend continues with Howie, um, but let's go to my guys, the most don't, perfect GM in the world. Don't even try. I want you to talk about these guys, buddy. I want you to talk about these guys. And I know you probably had a spiel, so I'm sorry for fucking your shit up there because I'm sure it would have been fantastic. I can make any amount of spiels on the floor. I want you to dive in. Absolutely. Um, yeah, man, the Steelers, like they a lot of a lot of people are talking about their draft and what they're gonna do. Uh they had an underwhelming season as a passing offense last year. Although, you know, I think that's underwhelming from a Ben perspective. I think we were um somewhat happy with the volume we saw for Deontay Johnson. I think Juju's season was um, getting shit on and for good reason, but I think, you know, there's, there's definitely room for improvement for that. So um, I think from a wide receiver standpoint, they're looking really, really nice. The running back room is what everybody is talking about them attacking as well as the offensive line, which we kind of alluded to earlier. Um, and then you got old man Ben still there. Um, Ty, I'm not even going to, pinpoint a question i'm just going to open the floor and i want you to talk about what you think uh the steelers are going to do i guess obviously start with what you think they're going to do in the first round um and how you think they're going to continue to improve the roster with uh with the picks that they got yeah um so offensive line is definitely the number one priority so i'd say offensive line running back and cornerback is what the steelers need to come away with uh after three rounds of the draft it would take us all day for me to break down my thoughts on the new offense coming with Matt Canada and the reliance on this short average depth of passing and all that. But maybe I can encapsulate a little bit of it. Like I am on this Najee Harris train. I have Najee Harris going to Pittsburgh. Uh, I laid out most of my thoughts on a tweet. Maybe I'll tweet that out right now again. Um, just because it is like a really convoluted process of how I got to this point. Um and I think it's it's complicated in the sense where the run blocking in Pittsburgh has been a zero out of 10. Uh, it's been that way for three years straight. The pass blocking has been a 10 out of 10. Um, and just remember that the Steelers are getting rid of the ball so quickly. So are the numbers indicative of how stellar the pass protection was? Not really. Um, everyone is worried about the three starting offensive linemen that are departing in Pittsburgh through free agency or retirement. Um, but the thing is, guys, the run blocking just can't possibly get any worse. The pass blocking, Ben's immaculate protection, that's what is at risk here uh, with this offensive line turnover. So it's also what's extremely hard to replace because pass pro isn't far behind like tight end in terms of uh, development curve when it comes mm -hmm. to prospects coming into the NFL. With all that said, the death of the offensive line in Pittsburgh, I think has been greatly exaggerated. Uh, the only position a rookie offensive lineman would be a day one starter, no matter who it is at this spot, whether it's Tevin Jenkins or not. Um, it would it would be over Zach Banner at right tackle, who is actually a plus run blocker. Although I feel like his nickname uh, perpetuates that a little more than his play. But What's I think uh, you you can get there with Banner. No, like uh, Bruce. so 
They call him the hat. They call him Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, uh, he got shot in the face of me. I thought, I thought it was going to be like a, I thought it was going to be like a nickname with a negative connotation somehow. So that's where I was thinking. No, like they, the they the call him the Hulk. Thing. So we just assume he's like a spectacular run blocker, but like, yeah. God, I don't like Zach Banner very much. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think the depth of the tackle class is like the, like you can, you can say everything I just said uh, and then still come back to the fact that a running back is going to help you too much. But I think the fact is that there isn't a tackle here that I'm comfortable with taking at 24. And I think there'd be a bunch that I'm comfortable taking that second round. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just think, you know, the depth of the tackle class, the ultra historically quick release passing game, that's going to be in Pittsburgh as long as Mm -hmm. Ben's there uh, in concert with their love for Najee. Like I, I think it solidifies this pick. I mean, Najee, not only, Profiles like a Steelers running back who can be used on 75% of snaps fits the Tomlin bill. But this guy looks like a more talented version of Le'Veon Bell who's ready like a year or two Le'Veon Bell ready to go. Um, I think he'll be able to create for himself too. like this could be a rare instance where, you know, a running back could actually help their offensive lines numbers, uh, which we do see that every so often like Josh Jacobs rookie season would be a good example of that like look at Josh Jacobs in a vacuum in his rookie season and sophomore season in comparison to his offensive line. It's really cool. Um, so yeah, the Steelers can add a tackle in round two. And uh, it's at this time that I would remind everybody that the Steelers have never really allocated a ton of capital to their offensive line yet. They've still uh, found a way to scheme it up and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, give me Najee, give me Najee. Totally dude. I think you encompassed it perfectly. I'm not even going to add a whole lot. I do have Najee going there in the first round as well. Um, I think that pick is almost like a sure bet for me. Um, and I like, and it. I got my boy Dylan Rendoons going, uh, in round two to them. That's a great, like, that is a great recoup of getting an offensive line piece for not, for not getting one in the first. And of uh, course, Jamie Newman in the third. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's going to happen. Um, San Francisco 49ers tie. We talked a little bit earlier that the draft kind of starts at the third pick. Um, some people haven't taken Mac Jones. You haven't taken Justin Fields. I haven't taken Trey Lance. No. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see what they do. Um, Look, the do you super the draft starts as well, or do you like, do you just kind of think it's going to be one of those quarterbacks? So yeah. we kind of move on. Like I'm kind of throwing my hands up in the sense that, you know, I, I think it's Justin Fields just because, it's so the only reason that it's not Justin Fields is this arrogant, arrogant as fuck thought process from Kyle Shanahan. It really is. And I hate to say it yeah. because we covet, we we want Kyle Shanahan players. We want players attached to his system. His system is phenomenal when it comes to X's and O's. His decision-making, his decisions that he's made uh, when it comes to personnel and stuff, they're, they're terrible. His quarterback decisions are terrible. Um, the fact that he thought Garoppolo was going to come back in 2020 and give him the season that he gave him in 2019. So they didn't go and get Tom Brady. Like that should keep him up at night. Instead, he's ready to go out and draft Mac Jones. Like that really, really shocks me. And it makes me think so much less of the Shanahan family, let alone Kyle Shanahan, let alone his system. But I detach my emotions so I can think he sucks at this part of his job and still think his system is a top five mm-hmm. system that other people are chasing and trying to emulate. But uh, my point is that you're pretty much dismissing every issue proclaiming that your system is perfect. He will never mm-hmm. force Mac Jones to play outside a structure because your structure will always be perfect. And I think that's just a bold strategy cotton. Um, and I think it is Mac Jones, like the super plugged in people are really 
driving that narrative, all of them. So it's a, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, Scheffner, all of them. So, you know, and the one thing I would offer the caveat is that we aren't privy to these zoom meetings where coaches and GMs can send guys material, even this year, like they can go over X's and O's uh, compared to like a 15 minute meeting at the combine that wasn't available in the past. So I, it's possible that it's in that setting that they fell in love with Mac Jones. Uh, and the thing I just, I frankly have no answer for the smoke screen. Why wouldn't I, I just don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I got Trey Lance there and I am not confident in that at all. And I just like, I had Justin Fields there before wasn't confident in that all in that at all. And I think, I'm kind of coming around to the fact that maybe it is going to be Mac Jones just because of all, all of the talk that's out of the, out there and all the things that they're saying, like to your point of Kyle Shanahan thinking his system is God. I think there's a quote of him saying that regardless of who it is, it's an elite situation with Brandon, Ayu, George Kittle and Debo Samuel. Yeah. Like um, last year guys, like everyone, like, well, just think yeah. of last year. Like they went with, like they could, they were in on Tom Brady. They were one of the teams and it was almost the ideal landing spot. Yeah. Um, because they were so ready to compete before their injury riddled 2020 season. And he was like, nah, I'm not going to pay Tom Brady. We can win with Jimmy Garoppolo in my system. Just think of that. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. And, and I mean, they did win with him, decision. but why wouldn't you want Tom Brady? Um, so what do, you ha- what do you think happens with Jimmy G then? Because it's, it's, they're going to take a quarterback at three. So what do yeah, you think, I think they're the doing league, with Jimmy G? I think the league played it well. Like they're probably asking for a third or fourth round pick today. and you know, next week, one week today, they're asking for a six round pick or they're cutting them uh, a month from now or they're starting him. I don't know. I really don't. Yeah. Know. And it, it kind of depends on who the quarterback they take. Like I think if Trey, Trey Lance is, is the pick, then they're more likely to maybe keep Jimmy Garoppolo and have him start off the year. Um, if they think Mac Jones is ready to slot into their system right away, maybe they don't. So I think that's another factor is who the guy is at three. I think they um, should keep him because they're not like, contractually obligated to get rid of him and i don't think uh like maybe the patriots would make that play i don't know yeah there's uh, some there was some talk about that today on twitter that the patriots might be trying to work out a new deal for jimmy garoppolo to try and trade and and that's what i think like if that price drops from a third or fourth round pick then i think he is uh gonna get moved yeah yeah 100 percent so the closest team to us geographically ty is the seattle seahawks um i don't think we need to spend much time on them because they only have three picks total in this entire draft. Um, so with that being said, and them, you know, not likely being able to add a ton to their defense, what do you think that means for the offense? Is like, is Chef Russ going to be forced into the kitchen? Or is he going to be maybe demoted to sous chef and the run game is going to be um, in the top spot? Yeah, I mean, three picks in the draft being picked by the most in like the dumbest organization in football. I, I have no faith. I mean, it's pretty much going to be DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Like, I think these guys are huge values right now in fantasy. Uh, For sure. And who is the guy they brought in? Uh, I'm totally blanking now. Um, but they also have um, um, Swaim. Uh, mm-hmm. right? They lost yeah. David Moore. Yeah, David Moore. So Swain maybe steps into that role. Uh, the question I would have is, do you think uh, they add a wide receiver or tight end in this group at all? And if not, who is that guy we should be targeting? Like, do you think the running back market share could increase? Do you think Will Disley or Gerald Everett, who's uh, being paired with his ex-offensive uh, coordinator, the new offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, has history with him. Who are you targeting at cost in fantasy from this offense? 
Well, Tyler Lockett won Hundo P. Um, DK Metcalf, yeah, but I've been finding that like there's some guys that I like more than him around where he's available. Um, I think Chris Carson, I think Rashad Penny could be bought for cheap potentially still and could have a role. Like it's not somebody that I'm clamoring to target or anything. Yeah, I think they're still looking for a third down back just to throw that out mm -hmm, there. Like they were in on Geo pretty hard. Yeah. And so like when you look at the three picks that they have, it's not great picks. The first one is at 56 overall, the second round. Um, and then there's a fourth rounder at 129 and then a seventh rounder. So um, I think they really need to make that 56th pick count. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> they lost their number uh, one corner. Russ yeah, wants an offensive I don't think line. a wide receiver they is what's going to happen. Yeah, they, they're in trouble, man. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to uh, being the same, like they're in, they're going to be in the exact same spot one calendar year from now. Uh, and that team of four, that infamous list of four could be an infamous list of eight next year. Trav. Yeah. hundred percent teams Russ is willing to go to. They haven't really done anything to improve what's around them. And they're not in a position to do that again this year. Um, you know, at 56, they could potentially get an offensive lineman, but that's not really going to move the needle they, a whole lot. For and they me. should too, because Dwayne Brown enters the last year of his contract. That's the only reason they've been above average for the first time in the entire tenure under Russell Wilson. This is the first season they have been 16th or better in pass blocking grade on PFF. Uh, yeah. And they got there by Dwayne Brown's performance more often, uh, more than anything else. Uh, and he's entering his final season at 36 years old. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think without being able to um, fill the holes on the defense, which is, like you said, there's plenty. Uh, I think it's just going to be Russ is going to have to air it out some more. And I think um, the back half of the season where they really pared that down a little bit, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that again. Cause I, you know, I don't think they're going to be blowing teams out or anything because teams are going to be able to score on them pretty easily. Yeah. So we're going to have a lot of Seahawks fans lamenting here in Victoria, British Columbia, Ty, and I am down for that. <laughs> yeah, well, I think uh, you mentioned corner is such a huge need for them. Though. Yeah, totally. Uh, the Buccaneers re-signed Antonio Brown today, if they you did, did not hear. Yep, so... I, uh, we we kind of like hinted to that a little bit yeah, earlier totally. in the offseason, but I guess a lot of people did, and there was some buzz around that. So are you a team, because I've seen, I think Daniel Jeremiah's mock came out today and had a running back at Tampa Bay. Who do you have Tampa Bay taking in the first round? I haven't taken Travis Etienne at 32. Yeah. Uh, which running back did he have going to them? I believe it was Travis Etienne. Okay, cool, cool. Um, yeah, and I think I think they can kind of take a luxury pick. It's almost similar to me to what uh, Kansas City did with Clyde last year, how he I think he was a bit of a luxury. Well, I think the Tampa Bay depth chart the running back depth chart is in better shape than the KC one was last year. Um, but I still think taking Clyde was maybe a little bit of a luxury pick for an offense that could have like me at running back and still be elite. Um, so, cause they just wouldn't use me. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think they can afford to do that because they got, you know, Tammy Brady, they still got a good pass rush. Um, some of the corners had spurts of good plays last year for the, for the, the secondary so, um, so really I think quick, what would you do would you look to build on that secondary that showed a, it took a massive step from you know our whole entire lifetime in tampa bay um or would you try and find like a jpp replacement mm, i think i'd probably go for the jpp replacement just because that you know that edge defender that's what i did with my pick. is 
just like a, a very lucrative position to have somebody. And if you think somebody can be there that can be, you know, a, a top flight pass rusher, I think you got to take that shot um, because it's the 32nd pick. Right. And, and that could be a trade back candidate too. They could be a team that kind of stacks a little bit more um, because they have a, a first, second, third, fourth. So within those first four rounds, they don't have any double ups or anything like that. So if they wanted to acquire a couple more within that top, you know, 150, then I think the 30, 32nd pick can be their ammo to do so. Absolutely. So we got a couple um, more here. What about the Titans at 22? I have them taking Elijah Moore. Ooh, I like that. The Ole Miss connection at wide receiver. Some, yeah, exactly. And they have some glaring needs. Like their defense has been just playing bad uh, in well, the Vrabel era. I got Greg Newsom. As yeah. the pick at 22 for them. Um, and I think if Greg Newsom goes higher, I think we could even see Stokes drafted this high potentially if they were set on going for a corner. I think this could be a spot for one. Uh, but I do really like that Elijah Moore pick, Ty. Well, I think the funny thing is I really wanted to go tackle here. The way the board fell just didn't work out. Um, but it kind of builds an excuse for Tennessee to avoid right tackle uh, because they could have some RT PTSD uh, from last year's first round pick. Uh, mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that right tackle isn't a huge need for the Titans because it is. Uh, but I think adding a pass catcher for Ryan Tannehill and new play caller is uh, kind of the other imperative addition in the early rounds for the tight dunes. I think Josh, uh, Josh Reynolds doesn't do it for you. Well, I think uh, it's interesting because he, he factors in, right. But they lost Corey Davis, Khalif Raymond and Adam Humphreys also losing Johnu Smith, like it's just Anthony Ferks or Jeff Swaim there. Um, so that's why Rashad Bateman's a pretty popular pick here. Uh, he's the second most mocked player per grinding the mocks, I believe, uh, because he can play all three positions at wide receiver. Mm -hmm. And between him and Josh Reynolds, like I think they really would have addressed their, uh, their wide receiver room. And, you know, his stock is dropping a bit, Rashad Bateman, because yeah. he had a bad, you know, bad pro day the measurements of 190 pounds, but it was due to having a pretty bad bout of COVID. So uh, make sure to do your homework on that one, everybody. But you know, who brings a perfect dynamic uh, along with all those kind of compliments I was paying to uh, Rashad Bateman is Elijah Moore, whose stock is kind of elevated while Bateman's mm -hmm. has dropped. And the Titans have met with Elijah Moore. He brings out, you know, sub four, four speed, underrated versatility, like putting aside the polarizing debate, of whether you think Elijah can play on the outside or not. Um, you know, this guy can go in motion. He can be the vertical option out of the slot. He can sit in zone coverage, uh, can be electric, uh, maybe add that element to the offense that Deion Lewis was supposed to bring. Uh, can he can take some of those vacated carries from Johnny Smith. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So I really like Elijah more. And I think the whole world is really, you know, rising on him. I think that would be just like an, an incredible fit for every reason that you laid out there. Um, and just adding like his profile to AJ Brown's profile really, really stocks those covers up. Nice. Um, and Tana Hill can continue to be Tanny Skrills. Actually. And I actually think there's a thrill. lot. Of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you think there's think a lot of what? I just think there's a lot of ways that they can compliment him. Uh, and I think Josh Reynolds, I really still like the signing just because he can do whatever this wide receiver you bring in can't do. Because I think exactly. there's a, even an argument to make that they could bring in a one-dimensional guy in the first, second, third round, whatever, in Tennessee and uh, the top 85 picks there. Um, so long as he can separate really well, because that's something that A.J. Brown, it's the one thing he isn't great at. So uh, mm -hmm. if you could have that on the other side, and we know how incredibly, uh, like, it was 
the catalyst for Ryan Tannehill last year was play action. So that's yeah. what they should be focused on. Make sure they can. Uh, yeah. Well, and the wrinkle to that is their offensive coordinator leaving in Arthur Smith. And we talked a lot about that stuff in our previous episodes, our free agency episode, and, and probably a couple other ones as well. So we won't get deep into the weeds on that. Um, go back and check those episodes out because being that we're in the off season, that stuff's still really relevant. So I definitely encourage anybody, if you've missed any of our episodes, I think we got some really good content that we've put out over this off season time. So I'm really proud of what we've, what we've kind of accomplished and some of the guests that we've had on there. So um, wow. check out some of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm doing it. The last team, the last team, Ty, the Washington football team. Um, just, just really quick. It looks like there's, um, there's some things in motion for them to get an actual name. So that'd be kind of cool to not have to call them the football team. Although it's kind of like hilarious that they're called the football team too. Um, but they've got four picks in the top 82. Um, so that's some pretty, pretty nice little capital for a team that, uh, it's not too far off. I don't think Ty, their defense is ready. See, um, agreed, but I just want to add one thing. They have okay. a lot of like next year worries, like whether it's that offensive line, like Scherf playing on the tag, like that inside defensive line has three expiring contracts. They need a lot of depth on this defense uh, in the near future. I just think, I hope that they have a good draft this year because they are ascending. And in my mm-hmm. opinion, pretty clearly the best team in the NFC least. And I just hope that it doesn't all fall apart next year when they, you know, don't have a quarterback, don't have this and that. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, like their, uh, their first pick is at 19, which I don't think is in position to take one of those top five quarterbacks. Do you think they could be in on quarterback? Is that a possibility for them to move up and try and make it happen? I don't think they're going to like move up or anything. Uh, we've seen these dummies just sit and take Haskins before, like they're willing to let the board come to them at quarterbacks. I think, like a Kyle Trask or one of those quarterbacks in round two or three is more likely. Uh, especially because I think they're going to end up with either a really good value uh, where they're sitting, whether like I ended up uh, mocking the Micah Parsons here, just because like, it's great what they got from John Bostick last year, but he's entering the final year. And I don't know if you can expect that going forward. Uh, so why not grab a guy who has like a lot of the similar uh, physical attributes? So I think that would be a good one, but uh there's a lot of ways Washington can go with this pick and they have needs like tight end. Uh, I have Brevin Jordan going to them in this draft. Uh, so I have them going offense, but after round one. Yeah. I've got Tevin, uh, Tevin Jenkins going to them at 19 um, to kind of fill that spot on the offensive line and hopefully be that tackle that they're looking for. See, he's um, more of a right tackle though. So I think they need a yeah. left, like left tackle is kind of the only hole on what is otherwise an extremely good offensive line. For uh, sure. Much to my surprise from, you know, the Trent Williams days. <laughs> yeah. Like I thought they were about to fall apart. And uh, I think a right guard could work too, like uh, in a long-term outlook, just because Scherf is probably their best player in that entire team uh, on offense. And uh, he's playing on the second tag. So I don't think they get a long-term deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you have um, all that depth. Like uh, they have a bunch of decent interior defensive linemen and uh, a whole bunch of them are expiring too. Yeah. And I think, you know, wide receiver could be a possibility to get a running mate for Terry McLaurin. Um, I like that Brevin Jordan spot there. Um, yeah, I have him going seventy fourth. I like that. I like that. So um, again, like you said, though, like the I, as much as as an Eagles fan, I don't want to see them succeed. I think they need to have a nice, good draft class with those four top hundred picks, um, just to just to solidify themselves as that that ascending team, like you said. So um, 
things are looking up for Washington. They just need that quarterback. And it's interesting because if they have a good draft class and continue to ascend, they're going to continue to not be in position to take one of those high round quarter or like high first round quarterbacks. So um, with that capital, I think it could be kind of prime time for them to even maybe like jumping up to like top 10 is just crazy from, from 19, but we've seen it happen. They definitely have to get up ahead of New England. Yeah. So no, I'm if, with you though, man. And like, yeah. would you take, if you're Miami at six and you really want to move out of that pick for some reason, uh, I don't, maybe let's say, nah, I guess that doesn't work as well, but I just think Miami would definitely be willing to deal with Washington at 19, just as easily as they would New England at 15, to be honest. Uh, oh, probably more so. But just um, because it's New England, I just but. really don't see Miami. And that gets back to why I think seven with Detroit is actually a, a very movable pick. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like if, if we get past Denver at nine and there's still one of them on the board, I think Washington's definitely, and you know what the fucked up thing about that is though, is after Denver, the next three teams are all NFC East teams who might not trade that and, pick um, to Washington. Only Howie, only Howie would trade back from a pick that ends up being more valuable two weeks yeah, later, just to pick behind two of his division rivals. Yeah. Yeah. And then just to trade back to get his division, other division rival, a chance at getting a franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm, like, that's mm-hmm. total. How yeah. yeah. Oh my God. That'd be so funny. Just wanted oh, to have four, just wanted to have four first rounders in 2022, bro. So is there any guys that we didn't really hit on? Like Amon Ross St. Brown, somebody I've mocked to the saints in round two. Sorry, Marquez Stevenson fans. <laughs> No, I think like we, most of the guys that we wanted to talk about, like we, I'm just kind of going down. We talked about most of the first round hopefuls. We talked a little, you said, uh, you said Terrence Marshall was a really good, uh, ad for who in the second round in yours. I mocked them to the Eagles. Um, Oh yeah. So I mocked them to the Bengals. So in the scenario that I had Sewell going to the Bengals in round one, Joe Burrow still gets his, uh, gets an LSU. Still gets gets reunited with his boy. For sure. Um, I'm not even sure mock- Terrace Marshall makes it to the sixth pick of the second round. No, me either. It's just the injury. Like people moved him down their boards. Like guys, uh, Dane Brugler from the athletic, like people moved him down their board. So I did too. Um, yeah. Cause you know, I've been extremely high on him. He's somebody I'll have a lot of in rookie drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I dead serious. I won't be surprised if he's one of the best wide receivers in this class easily. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, just looking here, Kadarius Tony. I have to Detroit. One uh, prop bet: Alabama uh, players in the first round. I think is a pretty strong one. Alabama players in the top hundred uh, is a pretty strong prop bet. I hit that one. Mm-hmm. Um, Pat Fryermouth. Where would you like him, Trav? Where would I like him? Like the team that I would like him, or what range in the draft do I think he goes? Both, either and or. I think he probably goes into the mid second. And if I'm looking at the teams in the mid second, like Jacksonville at the That's 13th, pick of the, yeah, you got him at the 13th. How pick does the he not round. go at 40? That would be dynamite. Yeah. That could, that'd be dynamite. I could see, well, Dallas m- could take him, but like, see, I was wondering about can that. Can they so replace what he Dal- gives with Jarwin and Schultz? I think they can. Well, get what do you what think Prime about Dallas? Like, do you think guys. they're, do you think Pitts is Pitts or do you think they want a tight end? Cause I don't even think they're, like yeah, I agree. Schultz and Jarwin no, I think fine. Pitts. I think Pitts is Pitts. You're you're really right on that because I think yeah, Jarwin like he's Schultz, in on like, Pitts because it's Pitts, not yeah. tight end. Yeah, okay. I think Schultz did everything that we wanted Jarwin to do last year before he got. I haven't. Like, Schultz I have no deuce. Jarwin because of that. Yeah, like I don't yeah. know. Like I know he's got the contract there, but uh, yeah, I kind of like Schultz a little bit better. 
Well, and I like Cole Komet with Dalton. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind that either. I think Cincinnati could be a spot for Fryermuth at in the, at the top of the second. I think they could be a spot. You think so? Yeah. yeah. Um, you never know, right? Well, we just uh, talked about how that would hurt. That would be a move that would hurt Mixon. I think if you have to incorporate mm-hmm. some tight end market share going forward there, because for sure. For sure. Right and then, yeah, the next next pick is Jacksonville, baby, and I'm down for that. Like, so I have cooling uh, up. I don't think Jacksonville's adding wide out. Not me either. Me either. Um, maybe later in the draft, but mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, why not just see what, yeah. Like if you're not going to go in those top rounds, why not just see what Colin Johnson can give you as that wide receiver four? Um, sure. I think Marvin Jones has that built-in connection. LaVisca is going to be weaponized. And then DJ Chark is DJ Chark. Um, Kyle Trask at 51 is where I put him. Just looking now. Rondell to Moore. Washington, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people had Bateman going to Chicago in round one. A lot of people have a wide receiver going to Chicago in round one. I have them getting Rondell Moore in round two which I think just makes a million times more sense on a team yeah. with, uh, with quarterback limitations going forward. And uh, totally, he's somebody that can probably uh, see a little bit less uh, like experience a little bit less frustrations than an offense, uh, no matter how that offense looks. So I, I like that pick with mm-hmm. Rondell Moore going to Chicago. Okay. So you're making me really want to get in here and mock that second round tie. So what do you think we fly out of here, my man? <laughs> yep, sounds good. <laughs> All right. So um, anybody who's still sticking around or listens to the pod after the fact and makes it to this this point, uh, I think we're going to we're going to hit that three hour mark for Mike Bauer. So shout out to Mikey, because I know that guy listens to the pod and we appreciate you, buddy. So if you're still here at the three hour mark, whoever you are, we really appreciate that. Um, And we're going to have an NFL draft live stream tomorrow, starting um, at the start of the draft. Uh, I'm not going to be on day one, but Ty, you're going to be, you're going to be in for the long haul, buddy. Uh, You and Connor uh, from the gold jacket pod are kind of manning the ship for day one. And uh, yeah. And Brian, of course, too. And, and we got um, some other true North. I think uh, Jules is going to be on day one, I believe. And uh, D Brown is going to be on day one as well. So that is a fun group. That is a really fun group. Um, I'm going to probably have the kids because usually when I podcast, the wife gets to have a podcast night where she gets to go watch some shows and I do all the all the parenting stuff. So that's going to be tomorrow night. But I am I might try and crash the party for a couple minutes and and jump in and chat with you guys because it's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be in on Friday to do day two with you, which I think is going to be electric at the start. So um, make sure you subscribe to this channel on YouTube. Uh, to to get that alert and see when we're going to go live and just come kick it with us. It's going to be a fun session. We're going to be shooting the shit. We're going to be throwing out some fantasy takes. Ty, I know you've got a lot of fun stuff that you've got lined up to, to chat about as well. So I'm excited for that, man. I'm beyond excited. Can't wait to go to sleep. Totally. And it's like, uh, it's like the new reality with COVID. It's like, we can't get together necessarily, or we're not supposed to get together necessarily to watch the draft. So uh, we can get on StreamYard and and get together with any listeners of True North content. So uh, another big shout out to Fantasy Points Media Group. We love them. That promo code is twenty one True North ten. Uh, Monkey Knife Fight. Get on there. It's not football season, but there's tons of stuff that you can throw down on some player prop bets uh, for all sorts of other sports. That tr- promo code is TNFF. Um, and go check out Viridian.com where you can, or ViridianGlobal.com where you can find all of our merch. Ties rocking the hat right now. I got that goat gear on for the homies at Goat District. So ah. go check it out. 
Viridianglobal.com and check out the Viridian Football Collective. There's like 35 brands in there. So if you are looking for some merch, you're going to find it at viridianglobal.com. Um, but now we're just about to cross that three-hour mark, Ty. It's been a slice. We knew we were going to do this. I had a fucking blast, buddy. So thank you for sticking it out. Any parting shots for the listeners, buddy? None. Nope. I am uh, exhausted. Yeah, absolutely. I will. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Jump on the live stream um, and the True North Pod with me and Ty. We'll be back same time next week. Uh, so until then, thank you for coming out. Peace.